Welcome all into the Monday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon, and we are full of energy on this Monday afternoon as we have consumed our first college football of the 2023 season. We will recap those games, not all of them, of course, but we will recap the action from this past weekend on today's show. A little bit later, we will play the Hugh Freeze press conference audio from today. It's game week. Yes, it is finally game week, so we'll have... Uh, game week audio for you. Hugh Freeze talking a little bit about the UMass Minutemen, but also a little bit uh, about just the season in general and expectations for getting the opportunity to coach inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium this year. We will also have a depth chart for you. Also want to put a disclaimer on it when we get to a little bit later in the program that uh, the head man himself said that he doesn't really go off of depth charts too much and doesn't really use them and think of things as first, second, and third team, that that's more of an SID concept of them putting that together today. We will still read you what was put together, make some observations about the first string uh, for offense and defense and what was listed out on the depth chart. So that's coming up a little bit later, too. As always on the Monday show, best and worst of the weekend. Also, nightly TV guide and birthdays and sports and your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. For the first time this year, gentlemen, it is game week. Very excited to have you on the show, my friends. We'll start with you, Brant. How are you this week? Or how was your weekend? How are you today? Uh, my weekend was good, like you said. First weekend of college football, and I'm doing well today. Haven't been on the show in two weeks, I don't think. So it's been a little bit. So I'm excited to get back on this thing. Uh, I'm wearing my Auburn University graduate school T-shirt today, so uh, repping for the brand, I guess. And uh, yeah, having a good day. Uh, like you said, uh, we'll talk about the depth chart thing. I see where Hugh Freeze is coming from. Uh, I agree with him a little bit. I do think that you have a depth chart that applies to a couple of spots. Mainly, I, I think your your quarterback and your offensive line, your five starting offensive linemen, those guys are going to be pretty set in stone. But it's the other guys uh, at pretty much every other position on, in football uh, rotates in and out pretty uh, pretty pretty quickly, pretty often. So I, I think that other than that, then yeah, the depth chart. It's kind of just for show. It's just to say, hey, I was a starter at Auburn, uh, and that's a big deal. But also, you can say, hey, I played football. I played football at Auburn, and I was pretty good. So that's also a pretty big deal. So uh, we'll get in, we'll get more into that as we go. But uh, yeah, good weekend, and I'm excited for the first week of, or I, I was excited to watch this past weekend of college football, and I'm excited for the rest of the sport to get kicked up and going this weekend. Absolutely, Tom Peavy also on the show. Tom, hey. how was your weekend? Hope you're doing well. Uh, weekend was great. Uh, just. Spent working and watching sports, and uh, not just football this weekend. I, I watched uh, watched some the the Atlanta Braves, watched some uh, Little League World Series uh, finale, which ended up being an epic, epic game for those that like the Little League World Series. Uh, but um, yeah, definitely happy to see college football back, even though it, it was just kind of a teaser. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing really big and outstanding going on. It was just kind of the tease, but. We still had actual live college football, and uh, and we had Vandy scoreboards swaying in the wind, and visiting teams not having locker rooms and having to be in a tent. And <laughs> yay, Vandy! We're back. We're, We're so back. back. We're so Vandy back. I think what Vandy's doing is going to look really good when yes. it's done. Yeah. But for the moment, it is a tragedy, isn't it? <laughs> it's very funny. Well, it, it makes me like. 
why why can they not use the Titan Stadium? There's a great a big, question. There's a great big, huge, beautiful, fully right. intact football stadium. F- fully intact. <laughs> not <laughs> which very is f- the most important thing. Here. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. With with actual locker rooms. So I don't I don't know I don't know what went on with that because I mean typically uh, that has happened before well especially with pro teams whenever their stadiums are not ready to go I mean the Bears uh, when they were redoing Soldier Field the Bears played in uh, in Illinois uh, stadium uh, in Champaign they played Heck, games the Chargers there. played in a soccer stadium the Chargers played in a soccer stadium yeah. um, I mean there's there's been Plenty of other instances where teams have had to just kind of sacrifice it and play a season in a different stadium. I'm sure that you know there. I'm sure there was probably some scheduling hit thing where they would have ended up meshing with uh, the Titans over there. But I mean, the Titans play on Sunday and Vandy plays home games on Saturday. So yeah, I don't and know. Vandy I, doesn't have a lot of night games either. <laughs> Usually yeah. towards the first half right. of the day. So yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure why that didn't happen and the Vandy's having to play in that stadium. But then, of course, severe weather comes in. Their scoreboard is literally hanging from two cranes, and that did not look safe as the heavy winds started <laughs> it was, blowing their scoreboard around. And it was like, okay, I I don't know if that's gonna like stay up there or not. But I mean, oh, goodness gracious, it's like just so Vandy. It did it did look pretty Vandy, and I mean. You know, Vandy ended up winning the game, so more power to them. Sloppy win, as Clark Lee said. It was a good game, though. I enjoyed watching it. It was much better than the game they played last year. Right. And uh, entertaining. It was entertaining football. It was good football for the first time in a while. Yeah, no, it was a much more entertaining version of the game last year. Last year, I think it was 62-10 to 10 or something, 62-17. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was a 40, 40 or 50-point game last year. So on one hand, you say, well, good for Vanny to win, good for us to watch a, a game that uh, did need to go and play out the full 60 minutes. Uh, however, unless Hawaii is significantly better, which maybe they are in Timmy Chang's second year, former legendary quarterback there, you know, Vandy's not going to be thrilled at the end of the day what that might mean for the rest of their season. Uh, how much of the games did you watch, guys, this this past weekend? I watched as much as I could. Yeah. Um, I, I, I only have two screens to watch on, so I was going back and forth between those. But I had, uh, uh, unless an Atlanta professional team was playing, I was watching college football pretty much the entire day. I, I flipped around. Uh, I, I started, out, started out watching some of the Notre Dame-Navy game until that one just got really boring. And uh, I had to move on from there, but I, I I watched some of the Vandy game when it finally came back on from their weather delay. Uh, I was watching the uh, the game that was in the Crampton Bowl uh, until they went into a weather delay, and I yeah, I mean I just I kind of bounced around. I I, I even watched uh, uh, we even sat there and watched a little bit of the uh, Jack- we watched the end of the Jacksonville State game. Jacksonville State playing in their first yeah. game. As a uh, FBS team now, yep. Conference USA coming up from uh, from the FCS ranks, and they play UTEP conference game and yep. and get their a win in their very first game. So congratulations, Gamecocks on, on that one. Is and uh, but yeah, I watched the end of that. So yeah, I just bounced around. I bounced around and watched uh, as much of all of it as I could. And it was nice to be able to do that just because it was enough that it was enough to whet your appetite, but it was also nicely spaced out. And there was also fewer games where you could actually sit there and watch. You know, 
it wasn't one of those where, you know, am I going to watch ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, CBS, NBC, <laughs> streaming, ABC, Fox, and it's like there's games on, like, every channel. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> At least these were, like, kind of where, like, okay. Yeah. This is manageable without sure. having to have like 20 televisions. I think there were three or four that all started at 6 o'clock, and one of them was supposed to be Vandy in Hawaii. So, But I think every other game had a different start time. And maybe not maybe not like a, a TV slot all to itself, but staggered by 30 minutes to an hour. So I, it was it was a pretty easily ingestible college football Saturday. Yeah, USC was at 7. Uh, I think FIU Law Tech was like, like 8, something like that. And, Notre Dame maybe at one thirty, JSU UTEP four thirty, and then a couple six o'clock games. So it was pretty spread out. Um, as for me, I think I watched the snap out of every game uh, except for Ohio San Diego State, which was look all, only two of the games were blowouts, and the two blowout games were the ranked teams. So it's not absolutely breaking news. Breaking news there. I did not watch any of Ohio San Diego State, but I got snaps in. Of all of them, I would say the game, the next game I watched the least amount out of was probably the UMass New Mexico State game, even though it was on ESPN. Those, even though that's yeah. the next or two of the Auburn opponents this year, uh, it ended up being a pretty high scoring game with that big fourth quarter. But I did not uh, did not partake in much of that one. But the two TV setup comes up in handy, uh, <laughs> and even and even as I consumed really all of the NASCAR race Saturday night too, still watched the vast majority. Wow. Of, uh, of at least relevant time of USC, San Jose State, and Hawaii, Vandy, and all that. So, so you actually were able to see some of the yes. Southern Cal game. Yeah. You, you went yes, yes. Yep. Uh, to yep. clarify. That's, that was one of the things that everybody's griping yep. about. It's like that literally you know, the, the defending Heisman Trophy winner and potential still best player in the country, and it, you can't even watch it on TV unless you – Yeah, to clarify, it. I do have Pac-12 Network. Party at my house. There you go. <laughs> um, is, so I, I think the reason I, I have the – I don't care. Everybody can know what I have. I don't care. Um, I got the regular uh, Spectrum package, just the base Spectrum package, but I paid additional like $7 a month or something like that for a sports package, which gives you like MLB Network, NFL Network, a couple other of the networks. And then I, I guess, I didn't know this for a fact, but I guess Pac-12 Network came in through that because I don't think basic Spectrum package has Pac-12. So I, I had like five Pac-12 channels somehow, which were all showing <laughs> re- various replays right. of 2022 content. And then I scrolled over and I'm like, yep, looks like USC is coming on this 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 Pac-12 channel at 7. And and uh, so I watched really the whole first half and a little of the third quarter yeah. of that. The the one thing that I did not watch, and you mentioned it, and now I because of what happened, I hate that I missed it. I completely forgot just because I was so caught up in, in college football. I completely forgot that they were racing in Daytona. Yep. Yep. And then that wreck happened. Yep, right. It was one of the craziest wrecks I think I've ever seen. And I've I've watched a lot of NASCAR live and on television. I've seen my share fair share of, of wrecks. Folks, if you go back and watch the video of that, that was nuts. Hey, that was absolutely insane how many times that dude flipped in that car. As someone who does not watch racing, I have seen that crash, mm-hmm. and it, it is it is as nasty as they're yeah. saying. As, I think it flipped 10 times in total, something like yeah, that, maybe more. But, it, but it was, the crazy thing is it would like go airborne and would flip. It would barrel roll multiple times in the air. Yeah between ground hits it was i mean i just couldn't even imagine the ride that that guy had in that car well and this is where i remind you we had that guy we had ryan priest on this show earlier this summer 
uh, we we did an interview with Ryan Priest. Wow, uh, I so, forgot about that. And so it was pre-recorded. Uh, but yeah, we had Ryan Priest of the NASCAR Cup Series on. He was the one. He went to the hospital that night. He was released the next day. He walked off under his own power, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he he was getting a little assistance because they did end up putting him on a stretcher just to be careful because um, I was watching that race live. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he was released from the hospital the next morning. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, that just goes to the, the the safety measures that go into those cars, just on, on the outside of the car safety measures, but also inside in the cockpit. You know, the, if you if you watch those guys, they yeah, I mean, they're going to get jostled around. I mean, there's no way that you can't. Sure. But, I mean, you are so heavily strapped down into that seat and your head is so braced that it really minimizes the bouncing around movements because, I mean, when you're, ta- when you're hitting the ground that many times and you're rolling through the air that many times, it, it, you know, without those types of restraints, I, I mean, it, it's just going gonna to sling you around like a rag doll. But fortunately, everything worked out with him. Man, I'd like to have that dude back on air now. It's like, all right, <laughs> tell us about that. What's yeah. it like when you're upside down flying through the air at 120 miles an hour? And 180. You're going, yeah. Okay, 180. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this, the, the, from talking to drivers that have had those bad wrecks like that, the one thing that they always talk about is the scariest thing is is the silence because mm-hmm. when, you're, when the tires are in contact with something, yeah. there's noise. Yeah. When there's no noise, that means that there's nothing in contact with the ground, yeah. and that's the scary that's part bad. because at yeah. that point they know they are airborne. And of course, in his case, it's silence yeah. and everything's flipping around, yeah. and then there's a boom, and then there's more silence, like and everything dryer. is spinning. As much yeah. as he was flipping in that car, that was like being in the spin cycle yeah. of a of a of a dryer. Absolutely. Just completely nuts of a wreck there. That, that was crazy uh, from the world of sports, that uh, that wreck. And, of course, Daytona is always going to give you various crazy wrecks, usually an, an amount of cars, but that one and the seriousness of the wreck. Fortunately, technology's come a long way. Ryan Priest was able, as Brant said, to walk uh, to the, the ambulance, get stretchered off, and, uh, again, released from the hospital the next morning. But we have a lot of college football to discuss throughout today's show. Let's take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we've got – Three phone calls lined up on the Auburn Bank phone line, so we'll get to that Auburn Bank phone line right after this. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, Can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this now rainy Monday afternoon as we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Hello, Ryan. Hello, Brent. And hello, Tom. Hello. Well, hello, Matt. Hey, what do you guys think about the UMass, New Mexico State game? I was going for UMass, and I thought they were going to pull it off. UMass, I, I mean, New Mexico State. I thought New Mexico was going to pull it off. UMass cheated. I, I didn't see. I didn't see UMass cheat, but uh, you know, uh, UMass is now one and zero. They were one and eleven last year, so they have already matched their win total from a year ago. So we'll see. But uh, you know, Auburn's going to be facing a one and zero UMass team this weekend. Yeah, and like, an undefeated UMass team. But isn't the, the quarterback <laughs> that plays for UMass? Didn't he play for Georgia Tech and Clemson? He did. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he started at Clemson, uh, transferred to Georgia Tech, and is now at UMass. So uh, Ryan, Brent, and Tom, you guys can answer this question: Does him and Peyton Thorne know each other very well? Yeah, I. I not to my knowledge, I. I. I don't really know when they're pass would have crossed. Peyton Thorne is, uh, was at Michigan State. I, I don't know the, the high school backgrounds for both, uh, so not that I'm aware of. What, did they play each other when like when he was, when Peyton Thorne was at Michigan State and then the quarterback for UMass when he was at Crenshaw or Georgia Tech, did he ever play? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he did, no. Okay. Um, and what I want to talk about, another thing is if I know Rock the couple of players are injured, and if say Robbie Ashford can't play as a backup, who do you probably have probably the backup? The backup um, Thorn. Do you have probably Gardner, or who do you have for the backup? Uh, yeah, I mean it would be Gardner. Uh, Holden Gardner would be yeah. he. He would be your next in line. Okay, and um, what did you guys think about? Uh, what do you guys think about like this this Sunday coming up? Uh, Utah, Utah, and um, in Florida. Uh, Brent, what do you think? First, what do you, uh, I ask you first? What What do you think about that game and what's your score? Man, I I don't really know. I think Utah's going to take it. I think they're in a better spot than Florida is right now. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting moving to this new era of quarterback for Florida. Uh, I think Utah's a little more solid right now, and they're playing them in Utah. Uh, Florida won that game last year. That was kind of Anthony Richardson's coming out game, but uh, he's gone. I I think Graham Mertz is going to be okay. I don't know if he's as good as Anthony Richardson. So I think that – I think that Utah's going to take it, but uh, I'm, you know, it's good football, and I'm looking forward to it. Tom and uh, and, and Ryan, what is, what's what's you guys' prediction, and how do you guys think the game's going to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Utah also wins that one. Florida's going to be down this year. Uh, the the expectations are not very high for the Gators, and expectations are pretty high for Utah. Uh, Utah is a team that could very well win the Pac-12 again this year. 
they got a lot of guys back, and uh, they're in a lot better shape than Florida. So I, I definitely think uh, Utah takes that one over the Gators. Ryan, uh, Ryan what's your score on that game? Uh, my score, I don't know if I have a uh, – I, I think Utah will win probably by about uh, 10 to 14 points. I think that uh, Florida obviously did win last year at home in Gainesville uh, with Anthony Richardson, but I don't think Florida is going to even be that <laughs> dynamic this year. Ultimately, it was still very inconsistent last year, and uh, Florida could be in for a rough year. So I think at Utah – I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think Florida just get moved around the field. Uh, but but Utah is a pretty physical team despite being in the Pac-12, and I, I think they are the better team. Well, do you think the do you think like uh, first I want to ask you guys about this. Do you think uh, when I ask you this, you know, I'm gonna give my score, and then I want to do probably some trivia. But hey, I'll, first I want to give a big shout to uh, James if he's on the phone. Hey James, War Eagle, what I see is War Eagle. Uh, and if you have any questions for me, Special Olympics, free to ask. And I'll, when I call them, when I call a sports call next Monday, I'll free to email me. They can give me an email address. And so, so, but hey, what, do you guys think? Do you guys think the Auburn game is going to be a blowout? Yeah, I, I I think the Auburn game will be a blowout. I I think that look, UMass is is clearly already improved from last year. But the, the point remains they're still not a major conference team. They're still well below an Auburn Auburn in talent. Uh, you know, maybe Auburn wins by thirty instead of forty or something like that. But uh, I still think Auburn should be handling this this team pretty easily. And I saw Auburn's favor like uh is it forty three point five or something like that? I'll Our double favor? check. I thought it was in the high thirties last week. It it obviously could have moved. Uh, well, I, I know they're, I know they're, I know they're favored in most of the games. Auburn's favored by thirty-six and a half against UMass. Okay, but they're favored in most of the other games. But they're favored against Cal. They're favored against uh, Mississippi, Ole Miss. Uh, I've got Ole Miss as a one-point favorite right now on that one. Okay, and do you, do you have like what? Do you have? Auburn favor against either against uh, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas, Sanford, New Mexico. There's not lines on every single game here. I can tell you Auburn uh, is not a favorite against LSU. Uh, I I don't think they have a line on the Mississippi State game. I would think Auburn would be favored against Mississippi State at home, and I think Auburn would be favored against Vandy. Uh, but of the lines they've got, I know that Auburn is not favored against Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, or Alabama, or Ole Miss. But they are favored against Arkansas. There's no line on that one. I, I don't. I don't okay. think that they would. It would be close. Do you think Auburn's favored by 36? 36 and a half over UMass. Well, I'm saying I'm, I'm saying Auburn 40. I'm saying Auburn um, 48. Uh, UMass, uh, 32. 48 32. I, I hope Auburn uh, beats them worse than that, but 48 <clears throat> points for Auburn would, would be pretty solid. All right, all right. Like, uh, I could go maybe Auburn 52, uh, UMass 28. Or, or that, uh, yeah, I mean, look, your prediction's your prediction. I'm not going to try to try to sway you. I, I, uh, uh, Tom and Brent, Brent, what do you guys think about those two scores I just said? Uh, I I will say this: if UMass 
scores in the 30s on Auburn, then we are going to be having some major, major discussions on Auburn's defense and, and how scary weak it may be. You should not be allowing 30-something to UMass. You really shouldn't even be allowing in the 20s to them. I mean, you need to – hopefully you're keeping a team like UMass in the teens. So uh, that's what I'm looking at. I, I uh, With the questions on defense, you definitely don't want to see them giving up a lot of points to a team hey, like UMass. How about, how about this? How about 52, Auburn 52, UMass 12? That would be more like it. I would like that one a little better. So, Brent, do you like that score? I uh, I definitely think it's more likely. Look, UMass was one of the worst teams in college football last year. Uh, not just when they played teams that were paying them to be there, but uh, like overall, I think of the 131 FBS teams, they were 129th, something like that. So they were really bad last year. They're improved this year. Uh, they showed that by beating New Mexico State, uh, but I, they're still not to the same level as a team like Auburn. So. Uh, I, I think that Auburn will win this one pretty handily. I don't know what the final score will be, obviously, but uh, I, I expect Auburn to handle them pretty pretty easily. Well, here, here's an important question for you, and then I'm going to do the trivia. I read something about uh, Peyton Thorne. and said it might, he might win the Heisman. Do you think he can probably win the Heisman? No. No. <laughs> I, no, I, would, no. I would be surprised. You think Bo Nix might win it? Or who do you think but, will win it? I think Bo Nix has a chance. Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance for Bo Nix. I mean, the favorite's going to be Caleb Williams at Southern Cal to repeat as a Heisman Trophy winner for the first time since Archie Griffin, but uh, it also has not been done since then. So uh, I don't know, but I I mean, Bo Nix has got a case for it. He he's they're they're really billing him up, but you know, I'd I'd watch out for some of these. I'd watch out for a, a Bama player having a big a big year. Maybe I'd you know. Maybe this year it goes to somebody like a Brock Bowers at Georgia instead of a, you know, a typical wide receiver quarterback. Keep so. your keep your eye on Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. and that that yeah, big time. What what's what your your score on um, um, Colorado against TCU? Colorado and TCU. Uh, I don't know on that one. That one's going to be a tough one. I, I favor TCU by just a little, uh, but it, it TCU lost so much last year. Colorado has so much different. That's a really hard game to predict. Who, who's who's favorite? Who's favorite in that game? Do you guys know? Uh, I'm pretty sure TCU's going to TCU would definitely be favored just because everybody uh, they all have TCU ranked in the top twenty five, and most don't have Colorado even sniffing the top twenty five. So yeah. TCU's hey, going to be favored in that one by quite a bit, I would imagine. Hi. Can you look it up and see yeah, how TCU's favorite, favorite one by? Yep, TCU's favored by 20 points. Okay, I'm going I'm going TCU um, 34-24. 34-24, got it. All right, uh, all right, Matt, we need to do this trivia because we've got other phone calls to get okay, to. Um, let me see. Let me do – let me do uh, – let me do – Movies. You want current movies or movies that are a little bit older? Or? Like in the 90 movies? 90 movies. All right. Um, let's see. Let me make sure I've got my facts straight before I ask you this. All right. Um, let's go with... 
All right, which I'm going to give you a uh, multiple choice here. Uh, right. Which one of these four people did not play Batman in the 1990s? All right. Val Kilmer, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, or George Clooney? Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale is correct. He played it in the 2000s with the uh, Christopher Nolan uh, Batman movie. Very good. Very good. Um, Let's see. Do you have one, Tom? Top of your head? Any 90s movie trivia? Not off the top. Okay. Not just off which, the top of which I got one more for you, Matt. What, uh, what 1990s movie took the box office by storm and temporarily became the number one grossing movie of all time worldwide? Most grossing movie? Like like uh, highest money, like most money made. It's not, it's not a Halloween movie. No, it's. <laughs> I can give you a hint too. It uh, has one of the the biggest name actors, Leonardo DiCaprio, was in it. Titanic. Yes, absolutely. Very nice, Matt. Very nice. Hey, does Brent have one for me? Uh, Brant does not. Tom has one for you then. Yeah, yeah one, so, and, one and last this one. Is, this is the last one. Since I graduated high school in 1995. I. There you go. So me and you, both 1995. What was the number one top selling movie of 1995? Oh, man. <laughs> so not quite as much as Titanic, but, but probably pretty close. Or somewhat close. Uh, can you give me like a hint? <laughs> uh... It was uh, kind of animated. Um, uh, Tom Hanks was in it. Uh, Tim say, Allen was in it. Don Rickles was in it. I, w- I would say big, but that's not it. Mm, no. Uh, Anim- animated. animated. Made multiple sequels out of this. Made multiple movies out of this. I know what Tom's talking about. You said, you said it was Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, yep. Don Rickles, Jim Varney. Man, I never thought that. Oh man, I can't. It's a Disney. It's a Disney movie. It's a Disney movie. <clears throat> yep. Toy Story. What's that? Toy Story. There you go. Yeah, That's you got it. it. That's you got it. it. Toy Story. Was, was it? Was it the, the first Toy Story? Yep. The, yep. Nineteen ninety-five. The original Toy Story. That was the number one selling movie in nineteen ninety-five. I did not know. I did not know that. She's doing guess. I did not know that. She. Where, where did you go? Where did you graduate high school from? Where? Did, I'm sorry. Where did you graduate high school from? Oh, I I was over in Columbus, Georgia, at Shaw High School. Hey, I got my, my games this week in Columbus. Oh, all right. Very well, nice. Good luck to you, buddy. Well, Matt, good job on trivia, man, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Okay, you guys ready to cheer real quick? Real quick. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey, beat Grandma. Booyah. Booyah. Come to our field. We're going to knock you out and save it. You got to retire. <laughs> All right, Matt. We'll talk to you next week, man. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Be your girlfriend, okay? <laughs> All right. I'll tell her you said hello. Hey, Brent. War Eagle, man. He says War Eagle to you, too. We'll see you next time, Matt. Talk to you later.
That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's get to one more call before our next break. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple nine at Tiger 9. Next up. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good on War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about uh, week zero uh, football games, and I was watching every single one. Good. I, I, I hope you would. You were a big college football fan. Yes, I am indeed, and I was uh, watching uh, UMass. Uh, no, I was watching um, New Mexico State and um, UMass. Yep, yep. Those are two and, Auburn opponents this year. Yes, and I was actually watching uh, UMass and uh, studying their offense and their defense. And I think Auburn is really going to run all over. They're actually going to run all over UMass. Yeah, we think there's a good chance of that, too. I know Hugh Freeze was crediting Don Brown, the head coach of UMass, today about his defensive schemes, but still uh, it's a team that Auburn needs to score a lot of points on and beat pretty pretty soundly. Yes, that's well, because when I was watching that game yesterday, I didn't, I didn't expect to hear some of the fans. They were, they were saying some – Pretty colorful words on TV. All right. Well, then we won't repeat those words, but uh, I'll just take your word for it. Yeah, because it was just like, I think it was from the uh, New Mexico State fan base. Uh, I'm honestly surprised. They they don't have a whole whole lot of fans, but uh, interesting. Yeah, because they were were saying some weird, weird things on TV that shouldn't that shouldn't been picked up on air. All right. Well, then we'll we'll move on from that then, James. But I do have a question for you. I wanted to make sure, because I know Matt was wanting me to ask you if you, if you had any other questions for Matt about his uh, Special Olympics that he does. Um, I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Um, what well, that's does okay. he you, actually do? Does he, he swims. Uh, it, does he play basketball? He swims. Okay. Um, I don't have anything right now, but I could probably. You can tell uh, us later this week. Yeah. Yeah, I could actually tomorrow when I call in the show, I'll just uh, leave y'all my number and you can actually call and we'll touch on that as well. All right. Email might be better for Matt because he he uh, he can't do a lot of calls from his phone, but uh, maybe we'll get an email address tomorrow or something like that. All right. Sounds good. Um, now. My other question I had was my Dallas Cowboys. Um, we're looking good this year. Yeah, that's more of a statement than a question, but absolutely I think that the uh, the Cowboys had a, a pretty good preseason, and uh, that's a really good division uh, in the NFC East. It's it's gotten better over the last couple of years with Philadelphia getting better. So it'll be tough to win it because of Philly, but I do think Dallas can make the playoffs like they did last year. Obviously did win a playoff game, so – uh, we'll see what the Cowboys are looking like, and I know they made a trade for uh, Trey Lance last week to back up Dak Prescott, so that's interesting too. Yes, that's well because I was just listening to that on first take earlier today, and they were saying that that's Dak Prescott's team. Uh huh. Yeah, that's I mean, his team. 
Well, it is. I mean, uh, I, I think so because he's the the franchise quarterback. And look, I know he's been criticized and maybe not lived up to the hype at times, but he's still been pretty good most of his NFL career. And, and uh, Dallas has still gotten to the playoffs multiple times under him. So just just trying to figure out how to get to that elusive Super Bowl. Yes, that's well because with um, Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. They should have told Dak Prescott about this new quarterback coming in. Well, he's he's just the backup, though. There, he's not competing for Dak's job. It's absolutely Dak's job, and someone's got to back up Dak. So they're just getting somebody younger in there. And look, he might. I mean, if Dak keeps playing well, there's nothing for Dak to worry about. Yeah, because they were saying if Dak Prescott is doing good for the Dallas Cowboys, why would they want to pick Trey Lance? Yeah, I mean, I look. I don't know. I, I don't know all the motivations. I know Lance is obviously younger, but Dak's not that old, and uh, Trey was is kind of a project. But I, you know, I, I I'm not sure. Maybe it's guard against injury, that sort of thing. Again, every team does need a a backup they feel comfortable with. So it was a little surprising, but at this point, everyone's got their starting quarterback figured out. So it was always Trey Lance was always going to be a backup to somebody. Yeah, because I'm a I'm gonna probably see in week one. I'm gonna see how that press guy actually do. But if he doesn't do well, then Mike McCarthy would put Trey Lance in and just keep him in for the for the remaining of the season as well. Yeah, it might be a little soon on that. I, I think Dak will get to more time than just one bad game because again, he is the franchise quarterback and. Franchise quarterbacks definitely get leeway there, but certainly if Dak is having a bad, let's say first five or six games or something like that, and he's not playing well, it would be something to think about. But again, I I have confidence that that it's not going to come to that, at least not this year. I think Dak, while he's not an elite quarterback, he is still a solid quarterback. So I would be surprised if he played so poorly that Trey Lance would get in there. Yes, as well, and then. I was watching the WNBA yesterday and I know they were I know they were talking about like the um scoring percentages in the WNBA and I knew that um our our uh, player from Auburn Don uh Bonner was actually um placed in like fifth fifth in the league in scoring. I know she's had a really good year this year. Yes, as well because I I actually do watch all her games as well because I know she's um, a great player. She played at Auburn, and I hope that she uh, in her near future. I hope she gets to to that point in her time and career with um, playing with the um, Phoenix Mercury, and I and I probably see her as a as a WNBA um, finalist in the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, I don't know exactly how the the Hall of Fame would work for the WNBA. I, I'm I'm pretty confident, like the other Hall of Fames, they'd have to actually retire first to uh, to be eligible. But um, I know Dewana Bonner. I looked it up. She is top ten in the league in scoring this year, so she's had a really good year. Uh, and uh, I, again, I don't know on the Hall of Fame credential that sort of thing, uh, as I don't follow it closely. But again, I would assume that you would have to be retired first. Yes, as well because I'm looking at the next champions of the WNBA and I'm looking at like the Las Vegas Aces I think they're going to win another WNBA finals this year yeah again I'm aware they've had another big year so that's probably a pretty good pick 
Yes, I saw. And then I was watching the NASCAR race from Daytona Beach, Florida. And I know y'all were talking about that uh, in, uh, that uh, crash that actually happened over the weekend. Yeah, with uh, Ryan Priest flipping up in the air uh, multiple times. And, of course, there was a, a, a big wreck earlier than that, too, that took out like 10 or 12 cars. But then Priest's was uh, something we don't see very often with cars flipping in midair like that. Very scary. Yes, as well, because I know Ryan Priest, he's an Alabama native. And once I saw his car flipping over a couple of times, I was just praying. I was just you know, praying to God that he was going to walk away from that crash as well. Yeah, we did have Ryan Priest on the show uh, earlier this year. He's not the the one that's from Alabama, though. That was Grant Enfinger, the truck series driver uh, that we were able to have. He was from the uh, Fairhope area. Uh, Ryan Priest is from Berlin, Connecticut, so uh, not from around here. But uh, we did have him on the show earlier this year. It was good to have him on, and uh, we're glad he's doing better after that wreck. Yes, that's well, because I'm actually looking – uh, so next weekend's race, and uh, and actually seeing who's going to win this one. So this is um, this is really this is going to really test a lot of guys' um, momentum right now. This is the playoff spot right now. Yep, first race of the playoffs at Darlington coming up this weekend, and your guy Bubba Wallace was the last person in on on drivers' points. Chase Elliott made it on owners' points with the nine team, but uh, Bubba Wallace did officially make the playoffs. Yes, as well. So I'm actually going to be putting him in my NASCAR fantasy uh, this coming a week, and um, I actually I'm actually a huge NASCAR fan. But um, over the weekend, I was watching Formula One, and I actually won that one. All right. Well, uh, you're uh, you're making great picks, then, James. Yes, as well, and um, I'm just going to see how my Dallas Wings are going to do tonight as well because we do play tonight. And um, I'm gonna just see how we're gonna how we're gonna stand out on the road as well. Yep, the WNBA season continues. Uh, any final thoughts for us today, James? Before we have to let you go. Um, I don't have any uh, final thoughts, but I'll probably see what I got in my trivia uh, treasure chest and see what I can pull out for tomorrow. All right, trivia che- treasure chest tomorrow. Sounds good. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on. The Auburn Bank phone line. We are down to just three or four minutes left in this first hour. Uh, real quickly, guys, again, I want to talk a little bit more about it than this, but we go ahead and have a word on it since we only got a few minutes left. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, USC just a little bit today. I know you guys maybe did not catch as much of the game because of the lack of Pac 12 network, which is distinct for many. Oh, I found uh, it. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yes as well. Anyway, uh, with USC, look, the same problems seem to persist from last year. Defense optional, and honestly, offensive line not great. San Jose State was putting a little too much pressure on Caleb Williams for my liking, given that, look, San Jose State's going to be a decent Mountain West school. I mean, they might be second, third, fourth in the Mountain West, whatever. But that's still not going to be, even though the Pac-12 is not known for it, it's still going to be better defense, especially like Utah that they face this year, Notre Dame, for instance. So a little uncomfortable with that. And then again, we just know the narrative on Lincoln Riley. He will produce a plethora of points, a lot of offense. But look, one week doesn't tell you everything. I want to 
continue to beat that home. We won't know a lot about USC till the second half when they start playing all these big teams. But nothing to quell the concerns in week one out of USC. That, that was the biggest thing. Is Yeah, I mean, you haven't answered all, all of life's questions with your team after one week. But from every preview that we did here, from every preview that everybody else has done, the biggest concern with Southern Cal is their defense because their defense was terrible last year. And can they fix it? Well, they were not good again this weekend. So, uh, if you're a Southern Cal fan, if you're, you know, whatever, you need to be concerned about your defense because that was going to be a problem. Everybody told you it was going to be a problem, and it showed that it can potentially be a problem. Now, I feel like the problems on the offensive line can probably get fixed because that I, that's just not as a concern. I mean, maybe they just had a rough game or – that you know, San Jose was doing something scheme wise. I don't know. Uh, offensive line is not one of those areas that everybody was like throwing up red flags with Southern Cal. The defense was so. You know, for Southern Cal, if you're going to compete with Georgia, if you're going to compete with Bama, if you're going to compete with Ohio State and Michigan and LSU, any of these other top dogs that could very potentially be in that playoff. You damn well better get your defense fixed because that type of defense that you saw against uh, San Jose ain't gonna fly against bigger teams. I mean, they people people will be running up and down the field on them if that's what their defense is going to look like. Yeah, I think the book's kind of out for these head coaches that are billed as offensive geniuses, and that yeah, they're going to put up a ton of points. It's the defense that's going to be an issue, and I feel like we've been. This is a pattern that has persisted through college football for at least the last decade. That's when I've started noticing it, but. Uh, these guys are they're going to put up a million points a game and uh, honestly an a offensive genius's best friend is a really good defensive coordinator i don't know who usc's defensive coordinator is off the top of my head uh but it, the fact is in the first in the first half especially usc's defense was not very good now the second half they settled down they played pretty well but that first half defense was really bad um the offense i think uh scored I think seven of their nine possessions, something like that. So the offense is going to be totally fine. It's uh, it's the defense you got to worry about, and yeah, like you guys said, if you can't stop San Jose State, you're gonna have a hard time stopping the Oregon's and the Utahs and whoever else USC plays this year. Uh, I, I think they're going to be totally okay, uh, but if it doesn't work out this year, uh, USC may be in the market for a new D.C. I mean, just look at the quality of quarterback. You were starting to hit on it there. Look at the quality of quarterback that USC plays in the second half of their schedule. They play Bo Nix. They play Michael Penix of Washington. They play yeah. Cam Rising, Utah, and someone that we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit later as we go to our first hour break, they play Sam Hartman of Notre Dame. So USC will be tested by truly good college quarterbacks in the second half of this year. They get the win 50 26-28, still decisive in the end, but still some red flags, or at least yellow flags uh, from Southern Cal in their first game of the year. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. We will continue on with more phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Also get to birthdays and sports. Break down a little bit more of college football week zero. Get to the Hugh Freeze press conference audio. Best and worst of the weekend. Still a lot to do here in this Monday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. More after this. One hour of our show is in the books. 
We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two starts right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Had a couple phone calls in hour number one. Still a lot to get to here in hour number two and beyond. We got the depth chart today for Auburn football. Need to talk a little bit about the Hugh Freeze press conference. Going to try and play that audio today. Uh, Also, a best and worst of the weekend coming up a little bit later and more. But now we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, good afternoon, guys. It's a game weekend. I couldn't feel more excited. How about you guys? Uh, We are very excited indeed. We're we're ready. All right, let's get to it, guys. Uh, is there a depth chart or there is not a depth chart? Because I'm reading here a quote from today's uh, press briefing or press conference uh, from Jason Caldwell. Freeze says the following, quote, I don't even have a depth chart. I don't even know where that came from. I don't do depth charts. It's really nonsense, end of quote. Right. Uh, so... Again, I think Brant put it really well in the first hour. He said that, look, you're not rotating a bunch of offensive linemen throughout the game. The other positions, really, regardless if you have one true ones and twos, you do. I mean, you do play more than one running back. You do play more than just three receivers. You play more than just three or four defensive linemen. I mean, like, these, these people do rotate. So, look, I, I think that in Hugh Freeze's mind, it's it's kind of a way to make f- players feel like they're always competing, like there's really – that they haven't lost a battle, that they're all all participating there amongst the relevant players and, uh, and that they all uh, have an opportunity to play and make the most of it, that sort of thing. But I still think there's still tiers of players, and I still think that there are still guys that you will see out there more than others. And so in that – in that sense, yeah, there is a depth chart, and there and there always will be to a degree because there will be guys that play more than others, and and so even in Hugh Freeze's mind, if for that he doesn't really look at it that way, that's not his his way of looking at things. I think you're still free to look at it as there still is a depth chart, and, and that it's just maybe handled differently or termed differently by Hugh Freeze, but but that there still ultimately is one. Yeah, I you know I was just trying to. Um make some uh, humorous, you know, uh, attempt at humor anyway, because uh, he, he, you know, he even says, he says nonsense. Well, how can it be nonsense when, like you said, you are going to be rotating people? So anyway, now I did know some of the guys uh, that I thought, well, this is odd. I didn't see Jeremiah Cobb uh, in the, uh, the, the charmancy of the running backs 
and I thought he was one of getting been getting a lot of you know accolades you know in, in practice in scrimmage. I mean, yeah. I mean, he had good practices, but uh, we always knew he was going to be the number four running back, and number four running backs were not guaranteed playtime. I mean, I think we we'll, we might see him against UMass if Auburn blows them out, or against New Mexico State. But I, but ultimately, I, I'll tell you, we'll see how it plays out because injuries change things and that sort of thing. But I think ultimately, Jeremiah Cobb would probably be headed for a red shirt this year. I think you would be looking to play him. Like I said, I think you can play him in three. I think it's still the NCAA rule, so you could play him in your th- in maybe four. It's three or four. I, I don't know. It's four. Uh, four. Okay, but so you could play him in the Sanford, New Mexico State, and UMass games. And if you somehow blow out Vandy or, or whatever, you could play him in a fourth there and still maintain his eligibility. I think with the other three running backs, to be quite frank, you shouldn't need. Jeremiah Cobb this year. He's a highly talented guy. He's going to be talented, but Auburn's really happy with their other three guys too. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, people not playing or possibly playing, uh, there's some injuries, and this one uh, was a little bit of concern. Uh, it said here that uh, backup quarterback Robbie Ashford has an oblique strain. I'll right. look that up, and that's a abdominal uh, muscle tear. And it said that usually takes at least a couple of weeks if it's not severe. Uh, you guys know any more about uh, how severe that strain may or may not be? I do not know about the severity of it. Again, I I would say this though, like that would be disappointing for Robbie because again, this is one of these games that I expect he could play in. Uh, I, I think he would play in uh, for sure as a quarterback because the the idea is that Auburn would be up enough to have a second string in at some point, and so it is disappointing, but. Is it meaningful towards the impact of the game? No. I mean, it, it, and it might not even be necessarily impactful in, in games that do matter because it depends on if that Wildcat package gets used and how effective it is. I mean, that's, again, his only role unless Peyton Thorne plays really poorly or gets injured. So, I mean, again, the backup – I mean, he is the backup. He is the number two guy. So, uh, I would worry uh, – really, against UMass, I wouldn't worry about really anybody being out, quite frankly – uh, but as you progress through the season, yeah, I mean, when you would need Ashford truly is if that Wildcat package is going to be effective for you, and that would not come. You would not really – you'd use it against Cal, and again, you'd play him in these other games because you'd have big leads, but really you're not trying to have something big out of that until the A&M game. Yeah, well, after reading the medical issues on this and the uh, the healing time – um, I would hope they wouldn't play him, you know, if they really didn't need him. Because they said he could uh, exacerbate uh, the injury and uh, just extend uh, the, the healing uh, to, to a length your time. So, anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, guys, uh, you know, uh, UMass uh, was not as bad as they were advertised, were they? No, it looks like they have made an improvement from uh, the Don Brown's first year into his second year. So, uh, I guess uh, maybe... Um, the expectation I had should be damped uh, or, or kind of a, a, a tamped down a little bit because I was expecting like maybe a 52 to 3 score, but uh, sort of like maybe what Notre Dame did uh, over the weekend uh, to their opponent, 42 to 3. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess maybe, uh, maybe not, right? 
It, it didn't move the line much. I think the line had been either 37 so 38 or 38. When it came 38. Out. So, yeah, so it's 36 yeah. and a half now. So it moved at a point and a half. I, look, I, I still – the semantics of what a final score are are not always relevant because of how second and third string guys play. I mean, you could easily get a 35-point lead at halftime and win by 42. And then it's just like, well, <laughs> you, you barely did anything in the second half, but it was all second, third string guys. I think, I think what matters is how quickly they can get to the second string. Can they get to it? to start the third quarter does it take till late in the third quarter does it take to the fourth quarter that's when you start to have a problem if you can't get to the second string by some point in the third quarter so I I think it's more about that than whether Auburn wins by 40 or 34 or 49 or or that sort of thing I think it's more about uh, when you can feel comfortable getting your first string out because you've beaten them bad enough because you played well enough fair enough and can we go ahead and just put an end to the farce of the NCAAs reducing the game times uh, by continuing the clock. When all I seem to get a sense from all the games I was watching, it was a increase in commercial time. Uh, so NBC definitely had a lot of commercials. I, I didn't watch every game for the entire game. It definitely felt longer in the, in the NBC, which with networks that can happen. Of course, everyone knows about CBS. Uh, I don't know, though. Uh, there was one game I was watching where I felt like they were not taking many breaks, but I, maybe it was like FIU and Law Tech or Jacksonville State UTEP, one of the two on CBS Sports Network. Um, yeah, I heard some complaints about that. It's to, to me, it was not. It was too early to tell on, on any of that. And I also don't think that I, we'd have to look at it. I would be interested to see if, in reality, those were, there's actually going to be more breaks across all the networks, or if it's just a matter of a few less plays and game action being a, a little quicker. Yeah, I'm sure someone's keeping stats on us. So I'd like to see, you know, after maybe three or four weeks of this, yeah. you know, is there really any uh, significant difference uh, versus, you know, from last season when there weren't these kind of new rules? Sure. All right. Um, moving on, guys, I, I did see that apparently uh, there were still 150 tickets left for the UMass game or is it a sellout now? I've heard various I've, things. Yeah. I've heard it sold I've out. Sold, but, sold, but sold uh, out. I mean, you can always find a few tickets in the secondary market, but I, but maybe through Auburn, I think it's sold out. But 230, God. You know, maybe they see you make some rules like, we don't play damn 230 games in September when the degrees are still 80 degrees or 85 degrees, you know, and God knows what it is on the field, right? Yeah, it's always hotter on the field, obviously. 85 is not that bad, though. I it's, it's, it's definitely supposed to cool yeah, off before it, this weekend a little bit. Uh, it's going to be mid-80s, like you said, about 84, 85 on Saturday. And, look, that's warm, and it's obviously hot when you start getting going and all that sort of thing. But, you know, that that's not anything that, that doesn't happen anywhere else. And I mean, 85 can happen in the really the entirety of the country. So, uh, I, I mean, well, I'm I, just thinking, you know, about on the field and with all – uh, the equipment that the guys are wearing. I know, I know it's hotter down there, but also know that they've got a lot of uh, cooling fans on the sidelines. A lot of uh, obviously a lot of a lot of Gatorade, a lot of water, all that sort of stuff. You can't, you can't, it, you look hundred degree heat. Sure, try to avoid that. But eighty five again. That's what I'm saying. If you if you're trying to avoid eighty five heat, then <laughs> you'll be avoiding in a lot of places because it can get there, get that temperature in early September anywhere. Okay. Well, um, you know, I've been a spectator uh, to when it was you know hotter than that, and, and it, it was for me just sitting down. Uh, it was pr- pretty, uh, uh, it, was, it was pretty unbearable. All right, moving on, guys. I saw this uh, nice little article on 
hometown kid, expected to play a role for Tigers in 2023, and I don't even remember his name, guys, but it's Griffin Speaks, who played for Baylor, is now going to be uh, on our team this, this year. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty good write-up. But did you know about him, uh, Griffin Speaks? I, I know he was. I mean, I was in the press conference today, so I, I, I did hear uh, him get asked about Griffin Speaks, who shows up as the number two free safety, also shows up on some special team depth chart items there too, and I'm sure he'll play in, in special teams. Uh, I mean, again, didn't really follow. Obviously, it's not a guy we talked about in the offseason. Uh, I would not think that he would rotate in much. Again, you'll you'll see everybody and their brother against UMass and Sanford, uh, or at least the idea is to see that. Um, but but that doesn't mean they play meaningful snaps. So we'll see. I mean, but he was he was talked about a little bit, and so he's obviously making a good run at some playing time. Okay, so if you're are you playing the game? Yes, I, yes. All th- uh, me, Brant, and Brooks will all be in the press box for that. So, will you guys yell out for the end coach? We absolutely will not yell. Uh, cannot yell in the press box. <laughs> but we will, maybe we will mouth it. I don't know. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. In the sports world, you know, you said you saw uh, that gentleman's I forgot his name. Who's? Oh, I saw the the video. What? It, about ten times it it uh, rolled over. Yeah, Ryan Priest. Yeah, uh, in midair. It was unbelievable. Uh, he must have heck of protection because I would have never walked out of that one alive. Yeah, they, they, they do a lot. They, I mean, they understand the types of wrecks that can happen at those speeds. And obviously the needle moved a lot when Dale Earnhardt died over 20 years ago. And uh, they've not had a NASCAR death, uh, to my knowledge, since then. Uh, there has been a couple of open-wheel deaths in, uh, in like IndyCar uh, since then. But... Yeah, they, they've made those cars very safe, or as safe as they can. I don't know if anything's very safe at 190 miles per hour, but they've, they've made them much safer. And, and so, uh, look, you still can get the wind knocked out of you. Every now and then you'll hear of a, an injury stemming from a wreck, like a, a rib injury or something. Ryan Newman uh, had that really bad one uh, at Daytona a couple of years ago. Yeah, more like yeah, five, six years ago. Was that the one yeah. where a yeah. car got hit when it was upside down? Yeah, and he had no burns. Yeah, yeah, no, no burns that, that I'm that I'm aware of. So uh, they do a pretty good job with those cars. It's not perfect. Some drivers still complain about certain hits that they take directly in the wall and that sort of thing. But it's it's a lot better it used to be. And thankfully, it didn't go towards uh, the, uh, the the fans. Yeah, I, I, that's the one I'm always worried about. That some some sort of debris is going to fly through. The, the fences are pretty narrow, but some tracks. I mean, there's there's a way if cars got midair that something could happen Get there. Into the fence. Where was that? Was that? It might Indy, have been Indy. The Indy tire, the tire yep. sheared off and went flying towards the crowd and narrowly missed. missed. So yep. I, I worry about. I honestly, I worry about that a little bit more than the actual. Uh, the actual driver wreck just because of how good they've gotten those cars on the inside. All right, now I know some of you guys play golf, right? Yes. Yep. Played Sunday. Okay. Well, I didn't watch it. I'm just reading it here. Uh, apparently, Victor Hovland, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, took in a nice little $18 million. Yep. Yeah, he's, he has made a lot Four of money over the last couple of weeks. Yep. $18 million. For just that one that one game, yeah, because cool, it's the tour championship. It's yeah. the, I think, in technically and money wise, it's even bigger than a major. Maybe not in prestige, but money wise, it's I think it's the biggest biggest PGA tournament. I mean, I don't even think I remember reading that the, that the Masters pays that kind of uh, money. Do they? 
Like I just said, I, I don't think the majors make as much as uh, as the tour championship. Wow. Okay, FedEx must uh, be doing pretty well. Yeah, it's a pretty successful playoff format for the for the tour. All right, and then I saw Team USA uh, women's and men's uh, both uh, both of them won gold in the four by one hundred meter relay at the World Track and Field Championships. I did not see that, but uh, it does not surprise me. Doing well. Yeah, and then <clears throat> Miss Simone Biles wins her record eight U.S. gymnastics all around title. How about that? Yep. Another another successful qualification for her. Good for her. And I know, Tom, you say you watched the game. I did not, uh, but I saw the uh, replays. And California topped Curacao. Is that right? 65? Yep, Curacao with a, with a walk-off home run in the last inning. After Cur- Curacao had come back and tied the game up on a grand slam home run, and then uh, California came up and walked it off. Wow. Okay, so um, – it had a, apparently a very competitive game then. It, it was a very com, uh, competitive game, and it was not uh, supposed to be. Uh, California, they're twelve and thirteen year olds, but their guys, they're, the kids are like six one and six two. <laughs> have just been hitting. Holy just, crap! Yeah, they, these Six kids from feet? yeah these kids from California have, have been just absolutely crushing the baseball. Have hit like record number of home runs. Uh, it, they, it was supposed to be a blowout with them over Curacao, but uh, they tied it. Curacao tied it up with a grand slam there late in the game, but then California came up and one of their kids, that's like six foot one, uh, hit a walk off home run, won the World Series. And then I saw this in the news: uh, the LA Lakers are going to be unveiling a Kobe Bryant statue uh, outside their arena next uh, February the eighth, uh, two thousand twenty-four, to honor. Uh, his jersey numbers eight and twenty-four, and number two uh, was his daughter's uh, youth basketball uh, jersey she wore. Did you know that? Yeah, no, really awesome. Um, again, I, Kobe meant a lot, obviously, to the league and to the Lakers, and uh, they've they've done a really good job in every way honoring both the eight. Uh, it, it just flowed so seamlessly that uh, he wore eight and twenty-four, and how they continue to. Uh, get the get dates around that and, and be able to honor him in, in those type of ways. Okay, finally, guys, I do mean this. Uh, I'll uh, start by this week by sharing with you how I became an Auburn fan. All right. And I'll be real brief. Uh, up until about maybe I was 16 or 17, I hung around. Uh, all my friends were uh, Alabama fans. And I just noticed it was constantly gloating and boasting, you know. And I knew a little bit about Auburn because I had a cousin first cousin, who uh, was attending Auburn at the time, and by the time I was uh, 18, yeah, he uh, was getting ready to graduate, he was majoring in uh, horticulture, and so he came down to visit me from, uh, from Auburn, and uh, he just spent some time with me, and he took me around uh, some places, some nurseries that he uh, wanted me to know about, plants and everything, and he gave me my first Auburn sticker, which was a windshield sticker, and it had the old, old-fashioned logo of the uh, eagle on it. And it's and it said uh, Auburn University, so I put it on my uh, car windshield. Uh, at that time, I had a '69, I was '68 Chevelle Malibu, and uh, from then on, I started following Auburn, and I just uh, you know started pulling uh, for them and uh, enjoyed uh, you know how the team you know didn't didn't seem to be um, bothered by uh, the obnoxious uh, Alabama people who were always uh, you know uh, putting them down and making fun of them and. Uh, Ever since then, since age, I guess, 17, yeah, I've been an Auburn fan. And, of course, I attended Auburn 
Uh, my son and daughter uh, graduated from Auburn. So that's how that came about. And so I heard Matt earlier today uh, making some comments about me and James. So uh, I'd like to ask Matt to share with us and James and everybody else, you know, how did they become uh, fans of their respective teams as well? And I'd like to ask, like, I hear from you guys as well. So that's it. That's all I got, guys. Uh, thank you for your time. My time, I know, is way, way up. So uh, we'll try and do this again tomorrow. Until then, have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that story and appreciate your t- phone call today. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We do need to take our next time out of the program. Still a lot to do on this edition when we come back. Birthdays in sports and a little bit later, some Hugh Freeze audio. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Again, coming up in just a couple of minutes, some Hugh Freeze press conference audio from today. First press of the year. We won't do it every single Monday, but to start the season, feel like it'd be a good time for it. But before we get to Hugh Freeze audio today, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports today. Ron Guidry turned 73, former pitcher for the New York Yankees. Guidry was born in Louisiana and played college baseball at Southwestern Louisiana. Go Raging Cajuns. Where he was a two-year starter, drafted in the third round by the Yankees in 1971, made his MLB debut for New York a year later, played 14 seasons for the Yanks, four-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glover, and two-time AL wins leader, two-time AL ERA leader, one-time Cy Young Award winner, two-time World Series champion. His number 49 is retired by the Yankees. Ron Guidry, 73 today. Uh, Northside High School in, La- in Lafayette, Louisiana. Go Mighty Vikings. Mighty Vikings. Mighty Vikings. Okay. Uh, he, he, he was a Mighty Viking and then a Raging Cajun. If you put an adjective or something in front of a basic name, I'll give you points. I'll, I'll give yeah. you points. Like fight, just, fighting something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Fighting a lion eye. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you some extra Fighting points. Irish. Ruth Riley turns 44. Former WNBA center Riley was born in Kansas and raised in Indiana. She was a star in basketball, volleyball, and track in high school. Keep reading because I'm okay. going to go to this, and it's very confusing. Okay. And averaged 26 points a game as a senior. Her number 25 was retired by her high school. She played college basketball at Notre Dame. Go fine Irish. Where she was a three-time, yeah, there you go. Well, a three-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year, two-time All-American, senior, 
As a senior in 2001, she led the Fighting Irish to an NCAA tournament championship and was named Most Outstanding Player of the Final Four. Won the Naismith Award that year, was taken fifth overall by Miami in 2001. Played 14 seasons of pro basketball, one-time All-Star, two-time WNBA champ, and one-time Finals MVP. Ruth Riley is 44 today. Here's why it's confusing. So, Ruth Riley attended North Miami High School. Okay. Not in Florida. Oh. In Denver. Oh. But not in Colorado. Oh. In Indiana. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go Warriors. Okay. okay. North Miami High School in Denver, Indiana. Go Warriors. <laughs> I, I uh, Yeah, that's like the Miami of Ohio. That's right. in Ohio and not in Yeah, but this one is in Denver. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah. But not in Colorado. <laughs> Lou Pinella is 80 today, former MLB outfielder and manager. Pinella was born in Tampa, was an All-American in basketball and baseball in high school. At Jesuit High School, go Tigers. Jesuit is, I believe, right next to Raymond James. It's like oh, okay. it's like right there. two blocks. Okay. You could basically walk it. Some of the parking lots basically right outside of Jesuit. Well, now every time you go to the stadium and you see it, then you know that's where Lou Pinella went to high school. Absolutely. Uh, he played one season of college baseball at the University of Tampa. Go Spartans. Which I did not know existed until I went down there. And it's got some big buildings kind of downtown Tampa. Right. I didn't I, I I don't know what the enrollment is, but it, it had a lot of lot of stuff down there and I was I was very surprised. Had not heard of it. He was a D2 All-American there, signed at the age of 18 by the Cleveland Indians in 1962, made his MLB debut in 1964 at the Orioles, played 17 years in the majors for the Orioles, Indians, Royals, and Yankees, was a one-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion with the Yankees, also a member of the Mariners Hall of Fame. After his playing career, he began coaching and managed for the Yankees, Reds, Mariners, Rays, and Cubs, three-time manager of the year, one-time World Series champion with the Reds in 1990. One of the most well-known managers in baseball history, Lou Pinella, is 80 today. Well-known manager, I mean, a great success, but also some of the best come-aparts. Uh, yes. Uh, on, well-known on, on temper tantrums. Well-known temper tantrums from old Lou Pinella. We don't have too many managers to do that anymore. No, not, not I, like they used to. I yeah. think of Aaron Boone as a he guy gets, who's liable to yeah, go off on an umpire. He gets thrown out a lot. It's, I mean, uh, Brian, who's, Brian, who's the Brian, Brian Snitker can get mad, but he he's no Bobby Cox. No, no, no. no there's no Bobby Cox no. anymore. Who was no. the the guy who was with the White Sox for forever? Like really old. Uh, Tony Larusa. Yes, I'm thinking uh, Tony Larusa. Yeah, the Car- uh, Cardinals yeah. and Cardinals. Yeah, A's earlier. Yeah. Um, I was th- I I thought you were thinking about like Ozzy Guillen for a little while because he was the White <laughs> Sox manager when they won the title. I think he he had a little bit of temper. But anyway. And then Will Herring is 39 today, former NFL and Auburn linebacker. Herring was born in Opelika, Alabama. Played college football in Auburn. Who are you? Yeah, yeah. And Auburn, he set the school record for consecutive starts. Was a one-time All-SEC selection. Also led the team in tackles in 2005 and 2006. Drafted by the Seahawks in the fifth round 2007. And played eight years in the NFL. Will Herring is 39 today. Opelika High School, go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. And those are the birthdays in sports today. Again, Ron Guidry, 73, Ruth Riley, 44, Lou Pinella, 80, and Will Herring is 39. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we will play that Hugh Freeze press conference audio from earlier today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Uh, really excited that uh, game week's here. It's, um, you know, obviously a lot of work goes into getting to this point, but uh, when you finally know that this Saturday will be real, um, it's just, you know, it's it's that time that we got to find out what the reveal party shows uh, of who we are. And, you know, so this is an, it's exciting. I think our kids are ready. I think our staff's ready and, you know, excited about getting into a normal week and, um, and really excited about my first experience uh, running out in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I think that's going to be phenomenal and exciting, and um, I've got more family coming than ever before, I think, and uh, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a magical experience, I know, in that stadium, provided that we play well. And that's the, the pressure or the anxiousness that you feel sitting in this chair is just wanting to deliver. Um, you know, the incredible fan base we have has, you know, welcomed us so much and bought season tickets and we've expanded the the stadium size and it will be a capacity uh, for Saturday. And you hear all those things and you just so badly want to, uh, you know, to deliver and um, so hopefully we'll we'll play well, but no question that we're extremely excited to uh, to c- kick off the uh, 23 campaign this Saturday. Coach, you guys spend about a thousand hours every off season preparing for what is ultimately 40 hours of football every fall. Uh, what have you told your team about the mental preparation uh, for the game this week and how to prepare mentally for for what they're going to face on Saturday? Well, that that's a. Uh, that's something we've tried to start instilling when we got here. Our theme since we've been here has been flip the script, and it's really about rewiring your mind of how you prepare for these uh, 12 opportunities that we're given. And it's, it's something that has to be done daily, that you're, 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 whatever is driving your beliefs uh, are going to drive some type of behavior, and that behavior is going to create some habits, and that habits will ultimately give us all our destiny. And... Um, the more of those days that we stack, um, that we're doing things the right way, you know, with the right attitude and with the right passion, uh, then the more prepared we'll be. And I think we're still ongoing in that. Um, that's still a, a journey, and it will be throughout this season. And uh, to this point, I think we've made progress and made strides in the right direction, and hopefully that shows on Saturday. Hey, Hugh, question. Uh, you said on Tiger Talk that your run game had been very healthy, been running well. Uh, is that a good thing about the run game, or are you concerned about the run defense? Uh, you just said it. I don't know. I honestly don't. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll find out more Saturday. Um, are we an effective um, running the football team against other opponents? Um, or has our defense made us look that good? Uh, and hopefully, um, you know, I, I, I think when you start getting into a game week and you start game planning and you figure out this is what we're going to try to do, 
uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be in the right spots and and play well on both sides. That's the hope. Uh, are there any players you know won't be able to go this weekend? Um, right now, I would say J.D. Rhymes questionable, uh, Nick Mardner, Jalen McLeod, um, Nehemiah Pritchett, I think, will go. Um, uh, Robbie Ashford's dealing with an oblique strain, but I think he'll go too. Um, it wouldn't shock me if, if all of those went, truthfully, but it really wouldn't shock me if, if a few didn't make it e either. But our list is pretty short, and uh, hopefully all of them will, will make progress this week and be able to go. And now that you've had you know these weeks of fall camp to get all of these new faces in, involved, heading into that first game, how do you now put some of that puzzle to, together of all these new pieces in, into the game itself? Well, we're going to play all those those pieces that have earned the right to for that opportunity, and then what they do with that opportunity will de determine how big of a piece of the puzzle they are. It's pretty simple. They go out there and they rush for 150 yards, they're probably going to get some more carries. If you go out there and you complete a high percentage of your passes, you're probably going to get more opportunities. And same thing with every position that will grade out. I'll get the grade Sunday, and the guys that, uh, that, that did it really well will continue to get those opportunities. Coach, looking at the depth chart for the first time at the receiver spot with Shorter, Kelly, uh, Johnson, and Hooks, was that those guys separating themselves in the wide receiver room, or was it more on injuries that we know they dealt with this, this fall? I'm going to be totally candid with you. I don't even have a depth chart, so I, I don't know where that came from. I guess that's from the SID world. I, I don't do depth charts, so um, – yeah, I just don't that, – That's it's really nonsense. Uh, I mean, you're going to play your four to five outside receivers and your two or three inside receivers in our system, and I don't care who runs out there with the first group or the second group. I, they freely rotate, so I don't make much of those depth charts, and um, I, I don't know who you said, but if you're talking about the outside guys, I would think – you're going to see a rotation of uh, Shorter and, and Malcolm and Hooks and O and Camden Brown. I would think those would be the the five guys that are going to get the first rotations at, at that spot. But I I am in no way said that one of them was first team and one of them was second team. I just that that don't fly with me. Doesn't work. Coach UMass comes in. A lot of preseason polls had them dead last in FBS rank. They score 41 points out at New Mexico State. Uh, Don Brown's had a good track record over the years of being a good defensive coach. Uh, what problems may they present, and how do you guard your team over, over confidence considering that they weren't ranked very high to enter the year? Well, I've played them every year the last four years, and um, I saw drastic improvement last year under Coach Brown. Um, I have great respect for him. I think he's one of the best defensive play callers in the country. Last year their record was atrocious, and they had a top ten defense in the country. So um, now I think they've added 27 transfers, most from Power 5 schools. I thought they looked quite different. Um, and New Mexico State's not an easy place to go play, and I thought they took care of the football. They didn't turn it over. They got turnovers. They capitalized on turnovers. They threw the ball effectively, which they have not done in the four years that I played them. 
and I think defensively they play as hard as any team in the country, and you combine that with uh, Coach Brown's system, which is very chaotic and uh, very hard to um, identify for your offensive front at times, uh, they will create negative plays with that. And that's, that was a big challenge for us last year when we played them up at UMass. Um, they created a lot of negative plays against us. Um, we managed to score enough points to win the game, but it was, uh, it, it was a challenge. And so they have our full attention. I mean, if you look at them defensively, yeah, you know, obviously Don is, is, is pretty special. As, a, as I mean, he's been one of the best at Michigan and Arizona and many other places. But uh, 48 jumps off the page at you, as does one and seven. Uh, they, they could play at any Power Five schools. Those guys are, are really, really good. And really, again, chaotic in, in their defensive front um, when they're mixing it up with all their three down and four down. I think they're deeper than they've been and better in the secondary. And then offensively, uh, the quarterback makes a huge difference. I, don't, I won't try to pronounce his last name, but uh, number three, Taysan, I think is his first name. But uh, the running back, 15, is really, really good. And Simpson and, and Johnson, those two transfer receivers, I think are really talented and, and explosive. So... Uh, we've got our hands full. I believe that it's, it will not be an easy uh, opener and uh, one that's going to challenge us. Hi, Coach. So obviously you've coached in these environments here in the SEC before, but returning to it, we always get to know, you know, the players' emotions heading into a big game in that environment. But I'm curious from your perspective, how do you get yourself prepared for the atmosphere? And do you take a moment and kind of soak that in, especially now making this return? You know, I really haven't thought about that a lot. I, um, you know, I soak in every game pretty much. You know, I mean, we've we've played in even at Liberty, we played in SEC arenas, and um, those are always fun to play in. And I embrace those opportunities. Uh, I think the the most exciting thing with me would just be taking in what I consider to be one of the best home atmospheres in college football. And I don't know that I've had that. No offense to any other places that I've been, but I just don't. I don't think I've ever been at a place that uh, that has the, quite the uh, enthusiasm and passion and energy that I think Jordan Hare is going to have. And so I will take a moment to take that in. Tell me what your favorite thing is about what Peyton's done during this, this camp from the first day until today, just what you really liked from him. Uh, his attention to every little thing. You know, it just... He's got an advantage that he, he, he's in grad school and he, and he has a lot of time. And so it's important to him, and he's constantly studying. And I sure hope that translates into his decision-making come Saturday now that we're not just running stuff against a defense that we don't really know what they're doing. Now you honestly get the game plan and say, now, Peyton, I would expect you to see this and, and get it right. And, and he takes great pride in that. So I think it's, um, that's probably been the most impressive thing is just – he wants to have the, the the mental part of the game plan totally down. When we talked to Cadillac earlier this month, he was talking about how he thought that this was the deepest running back room he's had uh, since he's been here. Just how much do you like leaning on the fact that you got multiple guys, not just maybe one or two, that, that, can, that can give you all good carries? Well, the facts are if you're able to run the ball, you can shorten the game. And I think that may be advantageous to us this year. 
And so are we good enough in the O-line, tight ends, and running back room to do that in a league that has tremendous defensive linemen? I don't know yet. But I do think that our running back room is very solid top to bottom, and we're going to lean on them heavily. Obviously, you know, the first thing is a win, but what are some of the other type of things that you're looking for on Saturday that you'd really like to see? Well, you would like to, even though it's game one, you would like for it to be clean, that uh, we're not having pre-snap penalties or um, turning the ball over, um, any foolish penalties. Um, and you'd like to see them play with great passion. So those would be the things that, you know, obviously you want to win the game and you want to look good. But um, that's always a fear, I guess, you have of you're not quite sure how a new team that we've, you know, piecemealed together ever since we've been here. And now they're fixing to get out there in front of 88,000 and a loud crowd. And, you know, how will we handle all of our emotions? And does it cause us to have a foolish penalty here or there, things like that you can't do and win games. And so just hope it's a clean game for us. Hugh, obviously, you know, go back to UMass, them playing in week zero, you guys already having some tape. Do you think that's maybe a significant advantage? Is that maybe something that's not super important? I guess, how do you feel now with having some tape on them and them not having any on you guys? It, it definitely helped to, uh, they're, they're quite different on offense than they've been in the past. So defensively, it's the same that I've faced, but uh, offensively, they're quite different. And um, you kind of wish you had even a more of a sample size, but uh, it's, it's, it's no question that with everything I saw them do with their motions and shifts and their RPOs, and uh, you know that they have more to do with that than just what they showed. And so I think they've, they're, they're very similar to us, truthfully, now. And there's, there's a lot of options. And uh, this quarterback, you've got to be aware of him, um, both running and passing. So it's, it was quite different. So I think it was helpful. You, uh, what have you seen from Amari Kelly in this camp? And, and how much has he maybe progressed even since the spring? Uh, love his energy. Love the way he practices. Love the juice he brings to the, to the field. Uh, just getting him, not just him, the biggest struggle with the receivers is getting them to play with the same tempo on every single route and every single play. They don't know when it's coming to them half the time, and we take too many plays off. Uh, I think we've gotten him better, better with that, and we need to see continued improvement. But real curious to see how we do in the game. But O has improved uh, each week. On special teams, how much of a weapon is that going to be with McPherson kicking the ball and then the senior Chapman punting the ball? How much of a weapon for you against UMass and then for 2023 will the special teams be? Well, I, I don't want to – I'm more excited about that than, than I have been in the, ever before coaching probably. I, I think we got two special guys there. And I hope I don't jinx them. Or, but uh, to this point, I have been incredibly pleased with, uh, with both of them. And I think they're weapons that uh, are going to be very, very huge for us. Coach, you said this spring that you felt like um, the development of the offense that you and Philip Montgomery were coming up with, nobody knowing what it was, was a significant advantage. You know, what can fans expect in terms of offensive identity this season and in, in how Auburn is going to run the football and pass the football? Well, I'm never going to change what I believe in. And, and I believe you have to be a threat to run the football. Um, but I also believe that 
a throw off of a run is a run. And so, you know, I, I may come in here after a game and you guys say, man, coach, you only rushed for 90 yards, but you threw for 400. You know, to me, I want to know what the average per carry was, if that makes sense. Uh, because you don't know it, but probably 15 of those passes were runs. And, but the defense had an extra hat. And so I don't think that's real smart football um, to, to constantly run into an extra guy in the box. And so to me, those are kind of rushing yards. So I think you've got to – but you have to, you have to be a threat to run the ball. You can't be one-dimensional, so you have to stay balanced. And balance doesn't always show on the stat sheet to me, but it does when I go and look and say, all right, these ten runs we, you know, we threw for – 100 yards on them, um, then I know, but I really want to know what that average per carry was when we did hand it off because it usually tells me we're making the right decision and we're handing it into good boxes. And if we're constantly making a wrong decision and handing it into a bad box, that, that average is probably going to go down. Uh, yes, you, uh, Griffin Speaks, local kid, Baylor transfer. What have you seen from him allow him to be in the rotation potentially at safety and special teams? I think he's got a shot to be in the rotation this Saturday. And what happens from that point on, I know he's on some special teams. And uh, I think he'll get a shot to get some reps uh, as a backup safety, too, and we'll see how he performs. Uh, in the right spot at the right time, knows the system, gets the checks. Um, you know, so I think, you know, wish he were a little bigger and faster. But, uh, but he's going to be in the right spot, and he's not afraid of contact. And um, so I think he, he can get everybody on the right page back there. Particularly if you're playing all those young ones around him. You've mentioned him a few times already, but Don Brown's had this legendary career on defense. Like, what makes him such? Man, his defense is so good since you faced him. You know, several yeah. times now. Yeah, he gave me fits last year. You know, and I've watched that that game a lot of times, and we scored 42 points, but it felt like it was 12. You know, I mean, it just it was hard. Um, but he, he mixes it up between even and odd, and then when he gets in his odd, he's going to have these spinner backs, and you never know where they are, and it's just hard to identify for your old line exactly, you know, what what the combinations need to go to in the run game and in the pass pro. And so we've got a lot of studying more to do today to to make sure we're – but he there's going to be some negative plays. There, there's uh, it is it's, it, the whole deal is trying to confuse the O line, and um, and they're effective with that. We just got to make sure that they're effective with that at a small percentage. Hugh, going back to Peyton, I guess how do you maybe simplify is not the right word, but when you have a first game with a new quarterback, how do you sort of you know maybe ease him into that while still keep making sure you guys have a dynamic passing game? Yeah, you know, you would like to. I've I've always felt like I would like to start a few games with some simple completions for him. Um, this is a little harder to do because of their trap coverage. You're you're a little nervous to to work too much quick game right off the bat because they'll they'll. I mean, they did a beautiful job and they run it a little different than a lot of people. But the, in their trap coverage, they had a pick six the other night. They got three turnovers, which resulted in 21 points. Uh, one was a pick six off of that trap coverage, and uh, he, he really did a nice job of deceiving the quarterback. So you got to be careful. What I would like to do is throw a quick hitch or two every now and then, but they don't really give you that opportunity. 
So Peyton's going to have to take what they give and, and throw the passes and complete the ones that, uh, that work against this scheme. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this program. Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy continue to join me on this Monday afternoon. You just heard from the head football coach of Auburn University, Hugh Freeze, on the other side of that timeout. If you've ever missed anything on the show, Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, Make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. And we just played the Hugh Freeze press conference audio from week one. You did hear mentioned in there, not a big depth chart guy. However, we're about to talk depth charts right here on the Sports Call 5 at 5. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you are looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707. 4273 or find them at selandgroup.com. So the Sports Call 5 at 5 today, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five positions of note on the Auburn depth chart, the way it's listed. Again, you heard Hugh Freeze talk about everybody's going to play, or a lot of people are going to play a lot of different positions, but we still know that there are some positions that not as much rotation, if any rotation, is required. However, we're going to single out five positions of note here on the depth chart. So let's start it off right now. Number one. Number one is tight end. Found it relevant 
that Rivaldo Fairweather is one of the few ores on the starting depth chart. It's Rivaldo Fairweather or Luke Deal. We have certainly hyped the Rivaldo Fairweather up. We believe he will play most of any tight end and play maybe out wide at times, but obviously still valuing Luke Deal, somebody that they did take uh, to SEC media days there uh, as we were able to interview Luke Deal, but a little interested to see the or with Rivaldo Fairweather. If you're taking it at, f- at face value, it's it's interesting. Now, it's entirely possible that ends up being 80-20 or 90-10 playtime, that sort of thing, but at face value, interesting to see Rivaldo Fairweather or Luke Deal. Yep. Do they, do they have some two tight end sets? I think that we are going to see some two tight end stuff. More than that, though, I think we're going to see Luke Deal as the traditional tight end, that right. inline uh, tight end, maybe move around in the backfield as an H-back. But I think Rivaldo Fairweather is going to be the guy that they split out wide. I will be interested to see how many snaps those two play together. Are they going to use both kinds of tight ends at the same time because I don't while these two guys are both technically playing the same position I think their roles are going to be very different Uh, and I think that Rivaldo Fairweather is going to be more of the pass catcher even though I expect them both to be able to do a little bit of all of it that's the thing I mean we know what Luke Dill can do and and yeah I mean he can catch passes but Luke Dill is not the guy that scares you as far as like (laughs) in the pass game Fairweather from everything that we have heard and when you look at his size and one thing I was uh, talking to some guys uh, this weekend about Fairweather, and they said his hands are huge. See, he's got just these massive hands that just catch the ball. And uh, to I, he's gonna Fairweather's gonna be listed as a quote unquote tight end, but I think you're gonna see him more in a big wide receiver role. He's gonna and, play big slot. Yeah, that's and, that's and, his role. And so that's why Luke Dill's gonna be in there. So I, I think you'll definitely see both of them in there. And like you said. That deal is more of your kind of traditional tight end. Fairweather is more of kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid. So, again, on the depth chart, it's listed Rivaldo Fairweather or Luke Deal. So, that's number one on the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number two. Number two is defensive end. You do have a listed starter. It is Messiah Nasilikiete, the transfer out of Maryland. However, I was also interested in the or behind him, Keldrick Falk. The freshman and Zakevius Walker, the junior, little interested in this position group because this guy feels like something that could change throughout the season. Nasili Kiete had impressed uh, folks in camp, uh, or especially in, in in spring practice. Let me clarify. But uh, Keldrick Falk's been very impressive in the fall. Of course, he's a freshman, so he starts behind the eight ball to a degree there. And then Zakevius Walker, someone more experienced. It would not shock me if, as the season went along, you saw less of Messiah Nasilikiente and you saw more of Keldrick Falk. We'll see. I don't know because, of course, if Messiah pr- produces, then that won't be true. But, but really impressed by Keldrick Falk. Uh, however, Messiah Nasilikiete will start uh, the season at defensive end. Uh, so again, like I said, talking to some uh, guys this year, the couple of former players that uh, have been out there and seen some stuff, they uh, rave about Falk, and we have heard that we we have heard that he plays at a high level. He's 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 dealt with. He's been kind of banged up through camp, and uh, and so maybe that's why he's not uh, listed as the definitive starter, but. Uh, uh, I'm I'm telling you everything that I have heard uh, about Keldrick Falk has been has been nothing but good, and, and 
it, he he is a monster. Six six two eighty eight. I mean, that's a big dude on the end. I mean, Messiah is six two two eighty five, so a lot shorter. Um, but I mean, I I've just I've been hearing so much about Keldrick Falk, and I mean, you're gonna see him on the field, and uh, he he's gonna be an impact guy. Yeah, Keldrick Falk. Uh, I've said before that I'm wary of playing true freshmen. Um, especially early in seasons, but there are some positions where you can do it, and one of those positions is along the defensive line. If you're just physically gifted enough to do it, you can handle yourself playing defensive line. So I think that Keldrick Falk is going to be probably the biggest impact true freshman that we see for Auburn this year. Um, it was interesting because when he came in, he was supposed to be an edge rusher. They wanted him in, the, in on that stand-up, playing that edge spot, the jack in, is what they call it in this defense. But... Uh, yeah, they, they moved into that defensive end role, and he's been challenging for playing time there. So uh, Nasila Kite, uh, I I'm not 100% positive on the pronunciation of that, and I apologize. Uh, but I, I think that he's going to get kind of the first reps. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Keldrick Falk get more reps by the end of the season. So that's our second position of note here. Let's move on to number three. And that is still staying kind of along that same front, but uh, on the – uh, edge there with what you said, of course, uh, Brant, the Jack position. So that's number three, listed as Elijah McAllister as the starter, and then an or uh, on the second there between Steven Sings, the fifth, and Jalen McLeod. Of course, guys, if you've heard Hugh Freeze talk through the fall, he perceives the two best pass rushers that he needs to play are Steven Sings and Jalen McLeod. They are not listed as starters. McAllister is obviously in the middle linebacker. It's a different position. You've got Austin Keys, Key, uh, Key, excuse me, and wide linebacker is Cam Riley right now with Eugene Asante behind him. So figuring out different packages, different formations, and that sort of thing is one thing. If you're just going off this depth chart, though, Sings and, and McLeod not being starters maybe speaks to what's happening on first and second down versus what happens on third down. Uh, but we know third down is obviously the down of decision, decision in important games. Uh, so I guess it's not surprising as I talk through this, but I think the moral of the story is all those guys are going to end up factoring in Auburn's defense. Yeah, I think this one's a little bit like the tight end room. Yes, these guys are all playing the same position, that jack position, edge, nine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're playing different roles. I think that Elijah McAllister is going to be your edge she- edge setter, that's dangerous. Edge setter. Uh, he's going to play more of the the running downs. Uh, and I think that Steven Sings and Jalen McLeod, those guys are going to be your, what you call a rabbit package. Those guys, I'd be interested to see how many snaps they play uh, on the field at the same time. Because I think on third and uh, eight or more, you're going to see those two guys lined up on either edge of the line of scrimmage. And, and they're going to get after the tackles and see if they can't rush the quarterback a little bit. So, uh it's another thing. I do expect Elijah McAllister to get the most snaps of these three guys, but on those for sure passing downs, the rabbit package I think is going to involve the other two. Uh, the one thing I can say is we met Elijah McAllister again, also at SEC Media Days. Elijah's the guy that uh, has transferred here from uh, from Vanderbilt, six six two seventy one, big guy. The thing that I'm wondering what maybe sets him up above maybe Sings and McLeod a little bit is maybe his mindset, maybe his intelligence. I don't know about Sings and McLeod. I know that we met Elijah McAllister, and he, that dude is intelligent. I mean, you can just tell 
And so you're kind of wondering about a leader on the field, a guy that can can make these very smart decisions and everything. And maybe that's what sets him just a little bit of a part. Uh, but also, again, 6'6", 271, that's a big dude that you, you've got there at Jack and, and a smart, intelligent player. So uh, I, I'm excited to see what uh, what McCallis can do. I'm, I'm excited to see um, Steven Sings and Jalen McLeod get in there too and get some playing time. But uh, Elijah really, really impressed me at SEC Media Days. Yeah, he really did. And one more thing that I want to add because I, I, I didn't, I did not articulate this very well. I said that those guys have different roles. The guys that you want are the guys that can do both. The guys that are really good edge players, the Carl Lawsons, the D Fords, the Derek Halls, those guys can set the edge on running plays and can rush the passer really well. I just don't think Auburn has that in these three guys, so I think they are going to rotate this a little bit. So our first three tight end, defensive end, and Jack, we go on to number four with the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number four. So number four and number five, we're going to spoil it, are going to pertain to wide receivers. Number four, we're going to focus on the outside wide receivers. There's more or parties here no. uh, with the wide receivers. But uh, I do want to note the one – so there's three listed wide receiver starters, okay, Well, or, or starting positions. And I want to note that two of them have oars, but the one that does not is Shane Hooks. And maybe, and that shouldn't be surprising. We've heard a lot of great things. We've talked about him. I, I've told you that, again, I expect him to be one of the two leading receivers on the team. I'm going to stand by that. Uh, he has impressed a lot of people, made some highlight plays. He is the listed with no oar. Behind him, Camden Brown or Nick Marner. Again, Hugh Freeze talked about, by the way, not three wide receivers are going to play. There's going to be five, six, seven, eight guys that play. Uh, so, again, there's still going to be opportunities for those guys, but Shane Hooks is the starter. The other outside wide receiver there does have an or, and that's Jair Shorter or Omari Kelly with Coy Moore not listed as an or there. He's listed as third behind those guys, probably due to injuries uh, part of it. But Omari Kelly's been, been talked more about than maybe we've given him credit for. Uh, in the fall and so again just wanted to note on the outside receivers there the difference there being Shane Hooks listed as a clear starter for take that for whatever it's worth based off of also what he free said but then the other outside position Jair Shorter or Amari Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of these ors have to do with kind of what Hugh Freeze is talking about about he's not a depth chart guy and so there's going to be ors in there because you know it's gonna kind. Of, I think in his brain, it's gonna kind of depend on. Uh, it's gonna be kind of depend, I guess, on the film study on what they see and what the defenses do. Because if you, I'm sure, and he's kind of looking at it, it's like Jair Shorter does some things better than Amari Kelly, and Amari does things better than Jair. So, kind of depending on what we're looking at, then that's who I want in there. That's who's gonna give us the best bet against who we're going up against. So maybe that's why you're looking at the oars there. Um, and not just in that particular instance, but any of these others, it's, it's matchups and, and things like that. And so, you know, obviously you don't want to just sit there and go, Jair Shorter is going to be our starting wide receiver there. Well, you may have a matchup thing there that Omari is better suited for that. And so you want to have that or so that Omari Kelly gets the start. Uh, either way, they're going to be rotating guys in and out. You're going to see both of these guys playing. It's just a matter of who is on the field when the ball is snapped for the very first time. And it could be either of them, either of the two. Sure. 
And then our last one up. Number five. On the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Lane Group is the other wide receiver position, but it's the slot. And again, there are uh, another or for a starter, Jay Fair or Javarius Johnson with Caleb Burton listed not as an or as, as number three there. Again, I would I would like to see – look, at face value, I, I don't think this is going to be some earth-shattering statement. I would love for Caleb Burton to factor in a lot this year because, well, he's the youngest guy in the room. Now, Jay Fair is a sophomore, uh, Caleb Burton being a redshirt freshman. So, okay, second year of college for both of them. But Javarius Johnson is the veteran. He's going to have an opportunity, and he has been, again, amongst – really unproductive receiver rooms he's been the most productive of those guys so that's why he's going to earn opportunity in here but i would love to see personally caleb burton end up stepping up uh the ohio state uh, transfer and being able to take over the spot these guys are all incredible it's shocker it's the slot but all incredibly similar in size jay fair and javarius johnson are 510 caleb burton's 511 fair is 186 pounds johnson is 167 burton 171 so all within 20 pounds all within one inch similar type of guy we'll see who breaks out of that lot but again another or with jay fair or javarius johnson list yeah. the starter yeah, I think Javarius Johnson is the guy that's kind of been forgotten about with all of the transfers that have come in, especially at that wide receiver spot. But he was one of the best players on Auburn's team last year, and I expect him to still be a big factor. Here's another thing. We talked about the tight end a minute, a minute ago. I think Rivaldo Fairweather is going to get a lot of snaps in this slot position as well. Uh, it, they're just going to take off one of these smaller guys, put in the bigger guy whenever they want to use the bigger personnel. Uh, so that's another person that you're going to – that's another body that you're going to see line up on that part of the field, even though, again, the roles are very different. But I'm excited to see what Javarius Johnson can do. I think he was a really good player last year uh, that had, frankly, some poor quarterback play that held him back. And uh, while I, I don't know how good Peyton Thorne's going to be as a quarterback, I expect it to be a dramatic improvement over the passing that we saw last season. So uh, I'm excited to see what Javarius Johnson can do of those three the most. Uh, th- I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Javaris Johnson has that experience. He has that leadership ability being a senior. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm just as happy with Jay, Jay Fair as well. I also want to see Caleb Burton step up. Here, here's my thing that I look at. I mean, uh, from that slot with those guys, there's a real chance that you could get some good production out of them. You've got the size out there, but I, that's one of the good things if, if defenses have to really focus on – a guy like Shane Hooks. If Shane Hooks becomes like your guy, your go-to, which Auburn has not had in the last couple of years, like a true go-to wide receiver one, that is the dude when you need to make a play. You're kind of thinking Hooks might be that guy. Maybe Fairweather uh, if they've got him out wide. So, you know, you got that. But if defenses are trying to focus on them, then, then that's really going to open up something for Javarius Johnson or a Jay Fair. And so I, I'm good with either of those positions right there, but I do like Javarius Johnson just with that senior leadership. So that is the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five positions of note on the Auburn depth chart, which was released to us today. Again, tight end, defensive end, jack, wide receiver, and wide receiver two. We will have more thoughts on the depth chart throughout the week. Also got to look at offensive line and – and DBs and all that good stuff too. A little bit special teams. The special teams. I think the, that's there is a, there's one surprise on there. There there is. There's one surprise. Maybe is there? Yeah, yeah long snapper. Oh yeah, the new long snapper Quadabomb is oh, backup now. Yeah, Jacob no, Quadabomb. Yeah, the, the senior like, is listed as a backup to Reed yeah. Hughes, who was he, just a sophomore. He started for two years, I yeah. think. So there so there are. 
There you go. It's a surprise there. Found, got me. You found one. Uh, but uh, we'll continue to talk about Jephthah throughout the week as we get sent for Auburn's first game against UMass coming up this weekend. We need to take our first time out of hour number three. When we come back, we will have a few more thoughts on what we saw from week zero and get into the best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dauntry with you here on this Monday. It is finally game week for the Auburn Tigers for the entirety of the NCAA now. As we just move through week zero coming up in just a moment, we will have the best and worst of the weekend. Do want to do a little bit more on week zero, though. Um, again, the seven games that transpire, we've talked a little bit about uh, a little – a little bit more of an improved UMass team from last year. Still shouldn't change Maybe. things. I mean, well, I mean, yes, they're they won one game last year. I yeah, think sure. they've already yeah, they've improved. Improved. what it, what it means in the scheme of things is yeah, very yeah. little. I mean, New Mexico State's not supposed to be very good. Right. They now, did go now, to a bowl game last year. They did. I, I was looking through uh, projections had New Mexico State around like seven or so wins, yeah. six. You yeah. know, kind of barely bowl so again, eligible. In their scheme of things, that's improved. a big win for yeah. UMass. It's yeah. just for Auburn's sphere of things, it, it should not affect much. Um, you had USC kind of look like USC, great offense, questionable defense against San Jose State. What about Notre Dame and Navy a little bit? That was the kickoff the season. Notre Dame was, yeah. I think, about twenty-one point favorite, and uh, they they handled Navy. There was I, there was no yeah. issue there. I I. I think that's more that Navy is just really bad. That the the little bit of that that I saw, they just look bad. Because uh, I mean, even against teams like Notre Dame, that that type of offense that Navy likes to run and everything. I mean, there's usually some some, some success there, but that that looked like a cluster from from the get go. So I just think Navy is not very good. We'll see about Notre Dame. I mean, obviously. You know they looked really good, but it was against Navy. I, I just I think Navy is going to be really down this year, and we'll 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 still have to see what Notre Dame is. I, I don't think that that proved or disproved anything about Notre Dame. I, I I don't totally agree. I really like the way Notre Dame looked. Yes, I understand it was against Navy, and it, and it could be really bad. But I do I think Sam Hartman's a good quarterback, and I think no. that Notre Dame is going to greatly benefit from having him in the room. Um. Yeah, I. But yeah, Navy's probably not going to be very good. I want them to be good because I love triple option football. I don't want to see my team run it, but I think it's beautiful when it works. And uh, there were times where it worked. It just didn't work consistently. And 
um, when it doesn't work consistently, it doesn't work at all. And that's why no one runs it anymore. I want, so, Navy, I want Navy to be good because my dad's retired Navy, and that's who I root for in every Army-Navy game. So I want hmm. Navy to be at least good enough to be able to compete with Army at the end of the year. Yeah. Whatever happens to them the rest of the season, it's it, like, whatever, you know. It does suck, though, because they are the last triple option team. Uh, Army's moving in a new direction. Nobody's going to run the triple option other than Navy now. So yep. I want them to be good. I want them to have success with the triple option because I just want to keep watching it. What's Army going to run this year? I don't know what they're going to run this year. I do know that they're I, – I just know they're moving away from the triple option. I don't I don't know what their offense is actually going to be. Interesting, interesting. Um, I, I, I just think that – I think people are not talking enough. I can't believe I'm the one saying this because I don't like Notre. I'm believe me, I'm not. I don't not a Notre Dame guy. I think people are a little undervaluing the fact that they have Sam Hartman now. Again, I right. think I think they lost to Marshall last year, and then everyone just just wrote that book, said, "All right, that's Notre Dame under Marcus Freeman. We don't care anymore." And then they up and, and I think went eight and one the rest of the year and, and won the South Carolina bowl game after South Carolina just beat Clemson and Tennessee, no small thing. Uh, and, and so then they add Sam Hartman to that, who, again, I cannot stress to you, I, I watch the ACC every year. For Wake Forest to win 10 games in a season and be in a conference title game, that was, uh, that was almost unfathomable. And Sam Hartman was the biggest reason that happened. Right. And so I'm not telling you that Notre Dame's playoff bound. I don't think that. But I continue to say that in their three big games, they've got Ohio State, Clemson, and USC this year. They're beating one of those teams. They are going to beat one of those three teams and ruin their season. They're not going to win all three and make playoffs and necessarily even go two and one. They're going to beat one of those three teams. And I wouldn't be shocked if it was USC at the end of the year because USC does not play much defense. They'll be towards the end of a tough stretch. And Notre Dame will be a more physical team than USC with a quarterback that can actually keep up with Caleb Williams and put points on the board. So I I don't know how bold people will perceive that. I'm not going to call it a bold prediction, but if if you want to say that's a bit of a hot take or warm take, whatever. Uh, but I think Notre Dame's. I think they're probably going to beat USC yeah. at the end of the year, and, and factor it may not be in the playoff, but factor into who is getting into the playoff. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I mean, unless unless Southern Cal vastly improves on defense from what we saw in Week Zero, then that I that could definitely happen. Uh, Sam Hartman and that offense, they have a definite chance of just sure. Putting points up, at, you know, almost at will against Southern Cal. Sure, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think Notre Dame's going to be good. I think they're going to probably be a little bit better than last year. But again, and, and it's not fair to them because uh, to try to compare them to Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, they're not there. Uh, they're they're not at that level. So it's kind of unfair to compare it to that. So you know i think they're going to be better i agree they're not i don't think they're going to be a, a final four type team they're not going to be a playoff type team but they definitely have the the horses to ruin somebody else sure. and then we also had a couple close games amongst uh the smaller teams we had a fiu louisiana tech game where fiu had four passing yards on the verge of winning and then lost at the end uh you had jacksonville state and their uh, triumphant beginning to their tenure in the FBS with a close win over UTEP there. Rich Rod getting the win. Again, yeah. for Jacksonville State to land Rich, Rod- Rich Rodriguez, I get it. I know he failed at the biggest level with Michigan, but he certainly built West Virginia. He, he did a pretty good job there for a while at Arizona. It's a big get for a program like JSU. 
Uh, and so that I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that as they have their maiden voyage in the FBS. Yeah, I, I have to say, I completely forgot that Rich Rodriguez was coding, coaching at Jacksonville State. Until yeah, me too. Absolutely. I was watching it on TV at the end of the game, and uh, Jack State had the uh, pick to seal the game, and it showed him on the sideline. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Rich <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> I was like, I did not know that. So yeah. I guess he couldn't get the Bama job before Nick Saban. So he got, he got another job so he, in red yeah, instead. So he got the Jack State job instead. Yeah, he 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 actually took over there last year. No, yeah, uh, I, know. I just and, had uh, completely yeah. forgotten about it. Yeah, so go, that's go that's a good Cox. get for for someone to be transitioning into the FBS. I will tell you this: so now that Jack State is in uh, the FBS, they are in a different group than Troy. But I wish they could find a way to renew that rivalry because. People don't realize it because everybody just talks about the Iron Bowl. Man, the Troy-Jacksonville State rivalry was a real daggone really? thing. Yes. Those, those, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't realize it. They, they actually, it's like uh, one of them's fight song actually even references the other one. I mean, it's a rivalry to where they're referenced in a fight song. So okay. those teams, they always played uh, when, when they were both – uh, Division two, I guess, or whatever. They both played like last game of the season. That was the big rivalry, Troy versus Jack State. I'd love to see that one come back. That's a a very big rivalry on a smaller scale. Now it's like a Paul Rudd. Look at us now. Yeah, in FBS. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Look at us. Uh, so, uh, so JSU, good for them getting their first win uh, in the FBS there. I think that's about all from week zero. Might bring them back up a little bit later. But also we'll have games to preview as soon as Thursday night because of uh, a couple big games going on Thursday night. So, again, it's it's approaching here. Um, time for best and worst of the weekend now. Here we go. Now time for the best. Woo-hoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. I'm still undecided on both at the moment. I kind of have an idea for best. I don't know if I have a worst right now, so let's start best. And uh, you know, I had. What's funny too is I thought of this weekend. Am I getting old? Uh, this w- <laughs> this weekend, I had a worst. I had a worst. It was in my brain. I'm like, I'm using that Monday. Can't remember what it is. No idea. I, I've got a worst real from the weekend. No, please start with best because I need more time on worst. Please start best. Well, my my best uh, my best was uh, the the Little League World Series. I enjoy the Little League World Series. I, I just always have watched it. It's such a minor blip on the big sports radar, but it's always neat. But then the the championship game, uh, we've already referenced it. But uh, the 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 team from California playing Curacao. It was a great game. It looked like California was going to run away with that one. A heavy, heavy favorite. California is very, very heavily favored in that game. Uh, but Curacao tied it up at five late in the game. But then uh, California comes up in uh, Lewis Lap, I think is how he pronounces his name, or Lappe. Um, but big kid. I, you know, I think he's about six foot, six one at 12 years old or 13, however old he is, and hits a walk off home run. And so. To win the World Series, anytime you win a championship in a walk-off fashion, and especially in baseball, on the grandest stage of what you know, grandest the grandest stage of Little League baseball, uh, at you know, up there in Williamsport, and he hits a walk-off home run to win the World Series, and then just epic bat flip. I mean, just everything about it. He he hits. It's a no doubter. And he just like holds like holds the bat up and then just throws the bat 
almost like as far as he could, and then he took his helmet off. I thought he was going to throw his helmet, but he <laughs> finally decided to hang on to it and put it back on his head. But, you know, just the just the celebration, just the full excitement celebration of a walk-off championship win like that, that was cool. That was so very cool to watch. So good job, California Little League, on winning the World Series 6-5 over Curacao. Very nice. Brent? Uh, my best of the weekend is going to be just the return of college football. Um, it's it's easy, but, man, week, week zero specifically is a week where there's not usually a ton of great football games. And I know that we didn't see any of the big boys play this past weekend, but there were some really good lower-level college football games. And that, that part of the game is still very important. You need those lower those lower level guys that that college football matters it matters to the alumni bases and it matters to fans of the sport if you took away the new mexico versus the umass you know it, those games weren't played this sport gets a lot more boring so i i was glad to see that and i was glad that we had games that were high quality this weekend uh that was also uh one of my two best uh so i will go with the other one but i certainly agree brant uh, I'll go with the other best of getting to play uh, the RTJ short course yesterday. That was my first actual like on the course golf shots hit uh, since middle of 2022 last year. So it used to play. Doesn't maybe for some people it doesn't sound like a long period of time. I used to play all the time though. Uh, so first time out there in 14 or 15 months, and uh, I uh, I don't. Uh, I, again, I, I don't think it. I think it was about April or May of last year that I last played. So I got to play that. There was some perseverance as, uh, <laughs> oh man, it had not rained in over a week, and uh, what you know, lightning would strike within eight miles of the golf course and put us under a two-hour weather hold. And Oof. yes, we stuck it out the entire time uh, and and got the round in just in time. Finished at about seven ten, seven fifteen as the sun was going down. But uh, really good to be out on the golf course again yesterday. Certainly love it. It gets a bit expensive at times, but uh, <laughs> certainly do love it, and uh, it was good being out there. All right, worst of the weekend, guys. Uh, my, my worst of the weekend was we lost Bob Barker, uh, a, a, a figure of my childhood. Uh, so you guys are too young to know this, but, you know, like, as a kid my age right now in my 40s so when you were a kid if you were sick from school or if you had a day off from school or whatever you watched the prices right that that was just what you did and bob barker was there but you know i'm old enough to remember bob barker when he had black hair <laughs> like, <laughs> like i mean he had not gone gray yet that's how long ago i was watching the uh, prices right and then of course uh you know he becomes famous through that but then he's on happy gilmore uh, does the whole thing with Adam I, Sandler? They're, I watched the Happy Gilmore scene no less than ten times on yeah. Saturday. They they kept showing that, but then there was a, uh, a they kind of reprised some things where uh, Bob Barker was laying on a hospital bed and uh, Adam Sandler was there with the Happy Gilmore shirt, yeah. uh, taking care of him in a hospital bed and things like that. But you know, it's uh, uh, it, it's tough when you, when you see a, a figure from your childhood like that uh, pass away, but ninety nine years old. Uh, I mean that's a that's a heck of a life, and so uh, yeah, sad to see that. Sad to see the the passing of Bob Barker stopped as close Legend. to a dollar as you can get. Without going over. Everybody said that it stopped yeah, as yeah. close. It came as close to a dollar as he could get, and he was actually very. I mean, December the twelfth, he would he would have turned one hundred yeah, on well. December the twelfth. 
So, man, tough one. Yeah, uh, that does suck. And, I, hey, I, I spent several sick days and vacation days, you know, when I, when I was staying with my grandparents. We would watch The prices Right. So Bob Barker, certainly a, a key figure in my childhood as well. Uh, my worst of the weekend, is it okay to just say studying? I feel like every week I'm reading 100 <laughs> pages uh, of just – theory and uh, doctoral dissertations and uh, all this other journalistic stuff. Uh, and, and I knew I knew what I was signing up for. Like I said at the top of the show, I'm wearing my Auburn University graduate school t-shirt right now. So uh, I guess I guess just going through that, the homework that comes with going back to school when you haven't been in two years. Yeah. Well, well our thoughts are with you. Through this I appreciate system. it, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I guess I'll go worse the weekend is just that NASCAR crash with the uh, Ryan Priest yeah. uh, yeah. going through the air. Again, I don't want to say it's full and worse because there is a silver lining, and that lining is our, the cars are clearly more safe. He is okay. I don't, I'm don't. i not aware at this juncture of any significant injuries suffered to him. I think it was overnight observation. Uh, and well, last I heard, he yeah. was awake, conscious, yeah. alert. Like I, said, and like I said, he left the hospital and all that and back at home. So uh, to my knowledge, again, you know, good bill of health there and, and everything okay, but just worse the weekend, just how scary that had been. I, I can't, I guess the worst is uh, he has a wife that, that just gave birth to a child earlier this year. How, I mean, for X amount of time, how, how nerve wracking that's got to be, how scary that is. And, and just for any family and friends that saw that, that was, uh, you know, it took a few minutes to get out of the car. It was wicked. They, they stood him up and he, he looked like he was moving, but they went ahead and put him on a stretcher. Just, just how scary that must be. Uh, so it is a worst of the weekend that that accident uh, and how and sca- how scary it was, but also kind of a, a silver lining and a best in that uh, you're able to walk away from something like that. That's our best and worst of the weekend for this past weekend. So excited that college football is back. That's that's just the that's the best of the show right there is that college football has returned. One final timeout back to wrap it up with the nightly TV guide right after this. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back. Final minute or two of Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy. Real quickly, Brant, I know this is incredibly unfair in the 30 seconds that I'm allowing you. <laughs> this is the only time on the show this week for you. I'm going to ask this of everybody on the show this week. What's the final record prediction for Auburn? So I'm looking right at the schedule right now. I can see six games that I expect Auburn to win, and that's, Massachusetts, that's UMass, Cal, Samford, Vanderbilt, 
New Mexico State, and... Mississippi State. Yes, Mississippi State. So those are my definite six wins. I think they go seven and five. I think they take one of Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. I think that's where the seventh win comes is one of those three games. If you win two of those three, you're eight and four, and I think that would be by any metric a successful season. Absolutely. So, But I'm, I'm going to say seven and five is my final prediction. So we'll get Tom's take on Wednesday. Tomorrow we won't have an official prediction from anybody. It won't be anyone's last day. Tomorrow we'll hear from Tom. Uh, Thursday we're going to hear from TP. And Friday, me, Brooks, and Cam all on the show that day. Let's so we'll go. have our final win total there. I can't wait, I got a hot take. Oh, Tom's cooking something up over there. He's going to have something warm for us on. I, I'm not going to say it until the show goes off, but I think I know what your hot take is. Okay, all right. I'm going to ask you off air. Don't you worry. Real quick, a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer tonight. U.S. Open Tennis is underway. This is first-round action. 6 o'clock, it's on ESPN. 6 o'clock on ESPN 2. WNBA, Las Vegas Aces, New York Liberty. Aces are really good again this year, I understand. 7, uh, 7.40, excuse me, on Bally Sports South. Atlanta Braves, Colorado Rockies open up a series. This one's before the big one. they got fourth the Dodgers right after this, so hopefully the bullpen does not, does not have to work too much in Denver these next few days also have a couple of movie picks 605 on hbo you've got the born ultimatum and 625 on fxm you've got the wolverine and that is sports calls nightly tv guy and presented by white claw hard seltzer that will do it for the monday show tom thank you very much for being here we'll see you again tomorrow all right be here and brant thank you very much for being on the show today i'll know i'll continue to see you you around the office this week we'll see you out there at smith station i think it's is it at central it's or in smith, central. Uh, it's central. central see you with smith station in central phoenix city on friday and uh otherwise we'll talk to you again next week thank you for having me and that will do it for the show today as always we thank all those that tuned in and called in for brant Dontree and tom peavy my name is ryan LeBoy. have a great monday night and we'll talk to you again tomorrow